no. No. <laughs> we are live. Let's please don't bring that up on air. Oh, we're live. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Wow, not getting late tonight. What follows is strictly for adults. Put your children out of harm's way. You see, the following five gentlemen are clearly not PG. In fact, an R rating would stand for rude. Let's meet them now. He's originally from the land of Lincoln, Illinois. Then he moved to Georgia, and then he moved to Florida. How much farther south can this man go? Cuba? There's no doubt. This man is lucky Ronald Reagan is not alive because he would be calling him a communist. But don't worry, he's no Castro comrade. He's the president of the Bears Country Podcast. The lead host of their signature show. Now he's one of us. One of us! One of us! Aldo calls him the OD. Let's not call him a cocksucker. The other Dan. We don't know anything about him. I mean, we don't know shit about him. We don't know his real name. Is it Thaddeus? Is it Reginald? Is it Frank? I don't know. What's his address? Any of his friends? Does he even have any friends? Hey, we do know this. He's someone you better not fuck around with. He knows the Bears and the game of football. He's funny as fuck. He likes to fuck. And just like me, again, this is redundant, but he likes pussy. No man. This man was an extra on Oliver Stone's Natural Born Killers back in 1994. It is believed he has more body hair than any other mammal on the fucking planet. And some suspect he starred in gay porn back in the 1980s. But there's nothing wrong with that. Now he delivers the Bears' state of affairs. He handicaps games better than anyone except maybe Mike North, but they're both good. He loves the efficiency of bourbon. It's Tooch. It's Mr. John Santucci. You know this gentleman as the Podfather. He created the Barroom Network in 2014. But 2023 figures to be a big year in this man's life. Medicare, Social Security, and erectile dysfunction all at one time. Hey, quit calling him white. He's tired of that shit. He's Puerto Rican. He's Aldo Gandia. I've been saying for three years on the Barroom Network that I love the Chicago Bears more than I do masturbating. But now I don't really know if that's true. All right, I'm just fucking with you. Of course it's true, but it's been a bad season. I mean, except for Justin Fields running all this. I recently got dumped by a girl on Facebook. My ex-wife's getting remarried. But don't worry about me. I'm still getting lots of pussy. I'm Dan Aguirre. These five are here to talk about the Chicago Bears and bear their souls. Thank you, announcer lady. She's wrong about one thing. Johnny Santucci is not here tonight. He is sick. And all I can wonder is how much money did he lose on Sunday? <laughs> That's the only thing that usually keeps him away from our fine show. But whatever is wrong with you, Mr. Santucci, we uh, hope you get better right away and join us next week. Introductions. The other Dan is the man that looks like my younger son. How are you, Mr. Shorty? 
Oh, you threw me off with that. First off, I noticed that you shaved your beard into a goatee. And I just wanted to let you know, I specifically did not do that on purpose. A, because I don't, that was in the 90s. I don't, I don't do a goatee anymore. <laughs> but it's like the only, like last week, I wore my hat forward. Mm-hmm. And you wore your hat forward. And I'm like, God, he wore his hat forward. And I'm like, is he going to wear his hat backward? I'm like, I'm, like, I'm not wearing a hat tonight. And then you come out with a goatee. So you got me on that. I'm not going back to the goatee. But I will say that this show is the highlight of my week. It, I, I, there's nothing that I would rather be doing than talking to you gentlemen than making love to my sweet wife and her best friend. <laughs> but if that happened, then she'd fall in love with us and... You know, there'd be pictures of her on the walls, and we'd be watching her kids. Ah! It's just my sweet so, Glad to be here, guys. Love you guys. Love you too, man. And Nomad, you got any facial hair? We've never seen you before, so what's going on with your uh, facial hair? You got any? Can you grow any? Well, you'll never find that out, but happy Valentine's Day to all you motherfuckers. I'd let you kiss my ass if you were nearby, but can't do that either. Is it hairy? Is it shaved? Oh, no, I keep that. I told you, man. I told you how to do it. I already told you what to do about that, man. I told you already. Get a pair of clippers for that region. And you'll be fine, man. Right. Got to do that. Do that. Put that on your list right now, man. Yeah. One pair for each side. And, of course, the man, the myth, the legend, Dan Acquire. How are you, my friend? Unfortunately, I've got a hairy ass. (laughs) <laughs> i do make sure the pubes are okay though i mean i i don't have anything going on there but the ass is too furry i i, tell you, I admit out in front of a mirror and try to escape that ass you know you gotta yeah. you keep you keep it to what you can see right i think it's just a battle that i admit that i've lost i'm always gonna have man hair on my ass <laughs> you know that's that's the one region that's the one region where i don't have that problem the one region you wax it. No, I just don't have that problem. <laughs> hair on my legs and all. I got I got Native American in me. I'm not a hairy guy. Look at that. You got Native American in you, huh? I do. And West African. Not hairy people. Damn. If I could I... buy all the leg hair on both legs, it would be less than the ass hair that I have. I can say that much. <laughs> All right, I'm just responding to Hair Bear saying our audio sounded a little low, so I adjusted everybody's volume. It's up much higher. Hopefully, the audio is good, and I hope that all of you guys watching are well and have had a good Valentine's Day. Thank you for joining us on Valentine's Day night. I can only imagine that your wife doesn't want to give you any. Your significant other no longer talks to you, and so you're stuck with us for ugly guys. (laughs) So, guys, we got to get into the Super Bowl because there's just so many storylines, but I want to really focus on one particular topic. And we could talk about all sorts of stuff, but the the, the topic I think many people are still talking about today on Tuesday was the call by the officials late in the game. Was it justifiable to throw a flag at that point of the game or do you let the players play? It is inarguable that there was a penalty. He did have his arm around his waist at the line of scrimmage. And then I'm sorry. 
Did I? I heard something weird. I don't know what that was. The fucking poltergeist. This is not the alien side. That that was that was all you, buddy. That was me, huh? Yeah. I don't, I don't understand this. See, I think when I raised the audio level the other day, do you have your your audio is only coming out of your headsets, or is it coming out of your computer screen too? We set this to um, everything that we had set the last time we talked, so it should all be the same. Okay. What? Let me let me hop out of here for a second, and and then talk to me in private chat. See if it sounds better, because I can try to adjust it. All right. Did either Dan respond? You didn't hear any response from uh, the other Dan? No, I didn't. Yeah. Not yeah. not well. I heard the other Dan. I was talking about Dan Aguirre. You haven't I'm heard him. Do you hear him now? I do now. Yeah, I just heard him. But before when he was talking, you didn't hear him. No, I thought you were talking to Dan Aguirre. But I didn't. I didn't know you were talking to uh, Koresh over there. All right. Well, anyway, uh, so we we have to talk about this Super Bowl uh, controversy. So let me start with you, Nomad, because I, I know where Dan's going to go, and I don't want to speak for Dan. I mean, Dan's going to have a compelling case as to that call, but I haven't heard your thoughts, Nomad, so let me begin with you. What do you think about that call late in the game? Well, I had, I'm had i taking off my shirt right now, taking off my shirt, mm -hmm. cracking my knuckles right now because I'm three against one. I know I'm outnumbered. I know y'all just I, – I, I see it like I told you. I see stuff on Twitter. I see what everybody has to say. Hold on, let me. I need to turn this phone off. Jesus, we're off our great technical start here. <laughs> Sorry about that. But, uh, right. I've seen everybody's take on on the game, and you know what? It's it's really you know what won that game. Although you want to know the truth, mm -hmm. whip routes, whip routes by the Kansas City Chiefs. They could not. The Eagles could not stop the whip routes. Mm -hmm. At the end of that game, when Bradbury got caught, that was a whip route. I, re I realize that the, the strategy behind the game we can talk about, but the topic at hand right now is should that call have been made at that point of the game and or should the referees have allowed that play to continue and let the players decide who was the winner of that Super Bowl game? Oh, absolutely not. You, you, if the ref sees it, he, he's got to call it. Mm -hmm. Got to call that game because imagine if it's the other way around. And, you know, I mean – like you said, this those these calls. I mean, these kinds of plays happen throughout a game. Sometimes they catch them. Sometimes they don't. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's an intentional thing. So so far as the refs are allowing certain things to happen throughout the game, I just think there's only so so many refs on the field, and it's 22 guys at one time, and you're not going to see everything. Mm -hmm. At that critical moment is exactly when you call those. He mm -hmm. he got he got caught for a tug. He, he tried to slingshot himself is what we call that. When you get beat on a whip route, you grab somebody and try to slingshot yourself back in place. Trust me when I tell you, um, I got firsthand knowledge of having to uh, struggle in practice with those routes. Mm -hmm. Coach will call you out every time it's bad coaching by uh, the Eagles. They shouldn't, that shouldn't be a problem in a game. Yeah. All right, Dan Aguirre, your case, please. I'm, I'm worn out about this. Um, I said last week that if Philadelphia was going to win, they'd have to win big. I believe that then. I believe it now. And I feel like the, the play just is exactly what I assumed would happen. It's, I don't want to go through the same stuff, but I will. I mean, it's like I've told you privately. It's like I still, in 
I'll go to my grave saying that the Jordan Byron Russell thing in 98 was an offensive foul, not called because it was Michael Jordan. I was rooting for the bulls, but I could still see it and say, Ooh, that's, that's a horrible call. Same thing. I've, I've been taking so much shit the last few days from people like saying shit, like cry Eagles cry. And like, motherfucker, I hate the Eagles. The only team I would have gone for the Eagles against is probably Kansas city or maybe new England. If they were in there, I don't like Philadelphia. They beat us in 2001 and 2018 and I haven't gotten over either game yet. So fuck the Eagles. I don't care about the Eagles, but I can say just like Cincinnati, they were jobbed at the end and it it seemed inevitable. If it comes down to the end, it doesn't matter that Mahomes' throw was 10 yards over the receiver. They're going to throw the flag. They're going to protect their boy, the golden boy, the fucking suck up. The fuck, he's everyone's favorite. You know, suck his dick. He makes me fucking sick. I, I, I fucking hate this guy. I just, I hate him because of what he represents. He's like, he's like, like I say, he's the guy at school that had a sports car in ninth grade. He's got it made in the shade. Everything goes his way. I have so much resentment for it. And it's just so typical. And I don't want to like get people mad at me. Has nothing to do with his ethnicity in any way. Like I said, the same thing. I hated Tom Brady. I hated Peyton Manning. I didn't like Brett Favre. I obviously don't like Aaron Rodgers. The face of the league gets all the calls. And that is a disturbing thing. Because, gentlemen, at some point, the Bears are going to be good again. At some point, they're going to be in the postseason. And if they're playing someone like Mahomes, they're going to get these bad calls against them. It's not fair to the rest of the league. Unless Justin Fields is the face of the league at that time. Even if it's Fields, man, you don't want to be on the wrong side of that. It's just not fair. For years, Tom Brady got those calls, and I hated him for it. And for years, they cheated over and over and over in New England, at least all the accusations, and I just resented them for it. I'm so glad he's retired now. But now now it's Mahomes' time to get in, in this narrative that he's hurt, like he's Willis Reed in the fucking 1970 NBA Finals. He got hurt 22 days before the game. He's running around fine, but as soon as the camera rolls on him, oh, then he's got to pretend to limp because now we have to act like he, you know, he. it was like he was going to get a wooden prosthetic leg before the game, but he's holding out he, just for this game, and then he's going to get his, his, his fake leg. Come on, man. Dan, Dan, I've had... Dan, I've had a, a a high ankle sprain before, and I'm telling you now, that that fucking injury takes you a month to, to really heal and just get to the point to where you can actually, you know, perform on it. I mean, I've had one before. I know it's a real injury. He's he's fucking hurt. I think it wasn't a real injury. It's been 22 days since the injury, and he has access to care uh, that none of us would ever have. Being a professional athlete. Top of the line. I mean, he could get in one of those uh, those chambers if need be. I forget that what they're called. Tommy Harris used to use them in Chicago. Uh, the point being, he has access to the to healthcare that we've never had, and it's been twenty two days before the Super Bowl. I'm just that story is just being embellished a little bit. You saw him running; he's running fine. They, Dan, they have they have ways to kind of numb it for a little while. But it won't, take, it won't take long, even if it's numbed or you get some kind of whatever they give you in, in the locker room. It won't take long for you to re-aggravate that and make it, and it makes you feel like it, you just start the injury all over again. So somebody grabbing at your ankle, or you 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 put too much weight on it to try to shift and go in another direction, you'll re-injure that motherfucker all over again. Trust me. 
That dude was hurt. I promise you that. Dan, uh, the other Dan, uh, talk to me. I want to make sure your mic is uh, is working. How do I sound? Is this any better? No. Uh, <laughs> sounds no, awful. Raise up the gain. Maybe the gain is too low. I turned the gain down because I thought maybe that was the problem. How is this sounding now? Blah, it's blah, better. Blah, blah. Better. It's better. Better? better? Yeah. Okay. Yes. How about this? Like this? Is this better? Is this uh, hold better? On. Hold on a second. Oh, leave, leave it right there. Leave it right there. Talking, okay, talking, t- talking, 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 talking. Uh, that's acceptable. Go ahead. Okay. Jeez, I'm sorry, man. I started messing with these things because I thought they were the problem. So let me, let me just put them back to where you had me set them at first. Okay. okay so is this better now? Can you hear me this or is it too low? No, it's fine. It's fine. Leave it. Leave it. Okay. The, the biggest problem that I had and I thought of you, Dan, with the Super Bowl was uh, as far as calls going in the direction of the Chiefs is that Devante Smith catch where he, it was a beautiful catch. Both feet were in bounds. He was going out of bounds. He came down. He had control of the ball the entire time, and then he hits the ground, and the ball comes out. They specifically changed that rule because of the, the, 2000, the first game of the 2010 season when Calvin Johnson did the same damn thing. So when they, did, when they reversed that call because they had made it a catch originally, then they reversed it with no clear evidence enough to reverse it. That's what pissed me off about the game. I'm just going to say that much. Yeah, and I got I got to say this because I love Dan Aguirre. He's he's like family to me. What bugs me is that because a player by the national media is being uh, praised, because a player in the national media is getting accolades. Because he doesn't play for the Chicago Bears, Dan immediately hates him and thinks, you know, that there's a conspiracy against everyone else and that the NFL is immediately lifting Patrick Mahomes now because he's the face of the league. I, for one, do not buy that the NFL is involved in any type of a conspiracy because Dan and I got into this. Uh, in text messages, he's, I asked him, do you believe that the NFL has told the officials that they should side uh, for Patrick Mahomes? And his response was yes. How, how could anyone think that? I, I, that to me is, is so implausible that they could hold a mass conspiracy and risk destroying the league because this league has always been and is even now more based on gambling. And if any any inkling that there is uh, 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 games being rigged, then the whole fucking brand is dead. It's it's the NFL is dead. It becomes worse than pro boxing. It becomes worse than any league imaginable. It just doesn't happen. I understand Dan's dislike of a guy who is getting more attention and has more success, but you're letting it cloud rational thinking in my mind. I say this with love because you are my brother. I think you're way out of line here, brother. You act like this is new. Again, the story, let's just go back to the game everyone talks about, the Immaculate Reception. John Madden went to his grave saying at Three River Stadium in 1972 that there was a 10-minute delay before they called touchdown with the Franco Harris play. He said the officials went into the Pirates dugout, 
got on the telephone and asked the police, how many officers do you have to get me out of the stadium? He didn't hear what the, the, the guy said to him, but as soon as he put the phone down, he walked out of the dugout and signaled touchdown. So controversy in the NFL goes that, back 50 but years. That doesn't mean anything. And, and uh, how does that relate to what we're talking about now? He's, he's because this that, has been going on for a generation is what it, I'm saying. That, it's bad officiating. It's not the, because Roselle and Goodell and Tagliable were rigging the league. It's just controversial, bad officiating. That's what I uh, attributed to, not some what, what mass conspiracy that's been going on. I didn't say it was a mass conspiracy. It has to be in order okay. for it to be to come out the way you want it, to, uh, to, to support your allegations. If you were a Cincinnati fan or, or a Philadelphia fan, you'd feel similarly now, and I'm not. I'm not a fan of either team. But I can watch the game and think critically and see. The, I mean, I feel like, look, I'm just be, I'm keeping it real. I, I, I don't want to be a dick. I'm not in a good mood. I knew I was coming on here to have my integrity questioned and challenged and maliciously fucking hit. But I'll take it. I'll take it. I don't, I'm not a conspiracy theorist or some fucking crazy radical thinker here, but if that's the way it wants to be presented, then so be it. I'll take it. My mic's on mute. Can I, can I offer a football take here? Please do. And then I'm going to just yank, the, yank it back just a little bit because, you know, when I watch, when I watch football, you know, I, I, I don't come at it from an angle of, okay, I'm not, I'm going a, I'm to a see if, I just look, I watch the game, and when something stands out to me, that's when my critical mind turns on. You, I see a certain play that's happening. I see a certain series of things that are happening. That's when my critical mind turns on. Other than that, I'm just watching a football game with a bunch of referees that are just as flawed as any other human being on earth, and they miss shit. You know, all the time they miss shit. Because, be honest with you, if there's um, – if I if, if there's plays that happen on that field, calls that happen on that field that never get called, and I'm just like, but you can't you can't be so critical about these things and be hyperbolic about it to the point to where you start descending into okay, what do they have cooked up the NFL? What 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 do they have cooked up for this player? Patrick Mahomes is he's going to get the superstar treatment as far as the NFL go, goes in the front offices when it comes to marketing campaigns, advertising, he's going to be the face of the NFL. So in that sense of the word, favorability is going to be on his side in, in, in terms of that. But as far as a football game goes, I don't think Patrick Mahomes is going to get any more than your average quarterback does in a game. I just don't. Did, did I think there was some unfair uh, calls that Brady got during his career? Fuck yeah. Very unfair. But with that being said, when you're a quarterback in the NFL, that's going to happen to your average quarterback anyways. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I, I just don't, you know, I don't see, I didn't see all the, all the um, malpractice in the game that a lot of other people saw. I just saw a game and, you know, a couple of missed calls and some very good calls. That's all I saw. I, I, I am so kind of in the middle between everybody on this because all I'm talking about, and do I sound better, anyone, Eldo? Do you I do. sound better? Okay. All I'm talking about is that play by Devontae Smith. He caught that ball. They called it a catch. And then after 
moments of reviewing the play, they overturned it. There was not enough evidence in my mind as a fan watching that as if it was the Bears to say that that play should have been overturned. The ground caused the fumble. That's the only play that really upset me the most about that game. I'm not saying it's a conspiracy. It's a fixed game. That's, that's not where I was going with that. And I don't think Dan is either. But when, when that kind of play is overturned, when it clearly should not have been because there was not enough evidence to overturn it, that's the kind of play that puts into my mind what the hell is going on. And it, You're not seeing the same thing they're seeing in their, in their, in their uh, booth. You, we see what we see on TV. That doesn't mean we see everything the referees see in that when they go into that hood. True. I To go back to what we were saying a minute ago, I, I'm not saying Roger Goodell called this official any more than I am that David Stern said, help Jordan against Utah. It's, it's, it's just there. It's a thing that the, the face of that league gets those calls in every sport. And like I, I was pointing out the 72 game to say that this is a thing that's happened for generations. It's not something that's new, but I, I'm not in any way trying to say that Roger Goodell had a meeting with the officials before the game and said, guys, let's make sure Mahomes gets, it. he doesn't have to. I mean, they know he's the guy, so they're going to help him. I don't but think that, that. But that is what you said in your text to me when I asked you the question. I well, maybe I misread your question. I I don't think in any way that Roger Goodell went to the officials, looked them in the eyes, and said, "Make sure you fix the game." I'm not saying that, but I'm saying the officials always, regardless of what era it is, where it was Brady's era, Manning's era, those guys get the calls. And again, I, I keep saying that I didn't like Utah, but I'm pointing out that I'm not, I'm not saying that because of sour grapes or something like I, I hated Malone in Stockton, but again, I can watch the film and see Jordan push Russell with his left hand. And that should have been a foul, but it wasn't because he was Jordan. And that's exactly what I'm saying. It's relevant to what that call, if this is the other way around, I don't think they throw the flag if Perch is the quarterback there. He's not the chosen one. You and did. the billionaire's son, he might as well be George W. Bush. That's how big of a made man Mahomes is right now. He's going to get all the breaks because he's the golden boy. And it's not because I told I said earlier when uh, the other Dan mentioned, well, what if it was Fields? I don't even want Fields to get bullshit calls like that. But Fields, someone could hit him four, four minutes after the play and they don't throw a flag. I'm exaggerating. But Fields doesn't get any calls when it comes to late hits and stuff. And you all know that. I'm not just whining as a Bears fan now. So I, I'm not asking. For, I just want the game even, man. That's all I'm saying. Just I want mean, the game even. I think we all do. Dan, did you think it was a flag, number one? No. You didn't think that was a, a, a flag? The ball was 10 yards over his head. He's but not going to catch it's it. A, it's a holding call. It's not an interference call. That's the difference. If it was interference, then you can account for the ball being thrown over his head. Now, I didn't like the call being made. I think that's one where it's a penalty, but they're, they're, I'm not. I'm going to pick up the flag that I threw or whatever. But that was a penalty by the letter of the rule. We well, so was the tuck rule, but I don't think that was right either. We're talking about the juju call, yeah. right? Just to be Shit on, on the same page, right? The juju pass. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. They can My call fault, a man. holding. They can call a penalty, a holding penalty on any play. That play, actually, if you look at it, he 
grabbed his jersey in the beginning, and then he uh, Juju got around him, and then he kind of put his hand on him. That was less of a holding than kind of the grab of the jersey in the beginning was. But I think they're trying to make the call out of the the latter part of that play, which to me, that happens on every play. They can call it any play. And I think this is kind of to Dan's. Listen, I support you, Dan. I, I, I think there needs to be a, a good argument about this, a loving argument about our brothership in this, because Dan, I support you. I think that there is some kind of, and I'm not, you don't think, and I don't think either that it's, it's, uh, it's fixed. We're just saying it's biased. I agree with you that there is bias based on certain levels of Madden gaming ship, if you will, right? Like if you're, you're the top guy in the league, they're going to give you more more leeway than they would any other player in the league. And I I, I support you on that. Thank you. I, I don't need anyone to agree with me. I just don't want to be, you know, thought of as just some radical or something because I'm using my eyes. Like like I said last week, if the game's close, something's going to happen that's going to help, help my homes. We can rewind the tape. If there's a physical tape, I doubt. But still, in a cliche sense, you can go back to YouTube and watch last week's show. Last week's show. Hell, I probably said it uh, two weeks ago after the championship game. So I feel like in that regard, it's just sort of like, well, it's, it comes into fruition what I said. Okay. I think we've exhausted this topic now to Nomad's point earlier. Why did the result turn out the way that it did, aside from any officiating or whatever? Um, and Nomad, I apologize for cutting you off earlier on that, but you were saying that it was a particular route that the Eagles were unable to defend. Go ahead, please. That's called a whip route. And if you guys don't mind, I'll share a quick little story with you about that mm -hmm. route. Mm -hmm. Number one, it's the most effective route in the route on the route tree, the whip route. And anybody who, who's not familiar with that term, a whip route is to say, for instance, you a guy was in, lined up in the slot and he goes out on a drag route all the way across the field, or he looks like he's going on a drag route across the field, stops, pivots, and turns back in that exact opposite direction for a pass to come to him. It's the most difficult pass route to defend as a defensive back. And the quick story is, when I was a freshman, we had a really good uh, receiver from uh, Plant City, Florida, and, and we had a bunch of GAs and a, that's a graduate assistant on the football team. They they basically were the gophers of the team. They did all the errands and stuff. They took notes and and checked the uh, players and in, in practices and scrimmages. And you were that was so frowned upon the grab on a play like that that you would get three state. I mean, uh, stadium runs up and down the stadium. We call it steps all the way up the stadium and down would be one if you got caught grabbing on a whip route so so basically we learned that you better not grab and if you're gonna do it if you're gonna get that call you better fucking maul him he better stop fucking running but do not snag and grab do not use your hands tackle his ass if you need to but that is highly frowned upon and that is bad coaching by the eagles that they didn't have their guys trained and ready for that i seen that pretty much every time the uh the uh chief scored it was on a whip route. They had no answer for it. Mm -hmm. So I, I believe that's, that was the game within the game, and they got frustrated towards the end, and that's what, what you saw. All right. 
Let, yeah, make no mistake about it. The fact that I, I thought that penalty should not have been called. The reason the Eagles lost that game is because they were unable to stop that whip route. They scored two touchdowns on it. And they scored in every possession of the second half. You know, and when you do that, you don't blame the referees. You blame the defense. You blame the defensive coordinator, who, by the way, got a head coaching job today. And you blame the defensive players. Just like Alex Brown told me and Tooch, when we saw him at Soldier Field and we, we told him, you know, you know what happened that game, and he said it was the defense's fault. Plain and simple. We, we, could, we couldn't stop Joseph Adai in the running game. So um, that's, that's the story behind that. Um, Mr. Shorty, you got any thoughts on the game within the game, as Nomad put it? <laughs> no, I mean, I, th- I thought it was all around a great game. I mean, it, it came down to the end. It, it did get a little... Um, I don't know. It kind of ended with a dud in a way because it just, they ran out the clock. You know, you, you almost wanted it to be something where they, somebody had a chance or hell. I mean, Kitty and I were saying if this could go into like three overtimes, this would be a like the epic Super Bowl, you know? Yeah, that's, that's what I was hoping for. <laughs> it was almost like if the game was fixed, you know, they, they would want to fix it that way. You know, mm-hmm. let's get this into two or three overtimes and make it really exciting. Keep everyone around for another hour and a half, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Hey, Aldo, you know, yes, uh, added to that little story I just told you, I almost got in a fight with a GA because, you know, the graduate assistants are coaches in training is what mm-hmm. they are. When you're in college, some of the guys that don't go to the NFL, they, you know, they graduate and they get right into coaching. And that's their that's how they make their bones, being a graduate assistant. And they start moving up quality control, that kind of shit. Mm-hmm. But they, you know, they hung out with us, too. You know, they they were. uh around at parties and get togethers they come over to your house and they kind of just would monitor guys and make sure guys are on the right path and all that kind of shit and one of them bruce man he caught me uh in practice twice on a whip route i grabbed and i tugged and i know i'm tired as it is and he caught me two times and he was like deuce i got you twice on a uh on a on a snug i said i was cussing at him and shit i'm tired they called me Deuce because my number was two. And uh, and we got into a big old hubbub on the sidelines. And, you know, we ended up hugging it out and shaking it out. But, my God, man, if if you have the right coaching, that's all I'm going to say. If you have the right coaching, that will not be a problem in the game. Because anybody that runs those stadium steps, the up and down one time will make your legs feel like you're Earl Campbell. Mm-hmm. You got to do three of them. Yeah. You get yeah. caught on one whip, whip route. And I had to do six. Well, I'll tell you, uh, and I should have uh, I should have lifted this. Somebody on Twitter, I, I retweeted it. I'll see if I can find it later. Um, but somebody on Twitter expertly l- uh, looked at tape from a previous Eagles game where they were burned on a touchdown on the same play. And it's like Andy Reid and his team took a look at that film and said, okay, see how badly they defended that? Let's put that into the playbook. And they did, and they scored twice on that. So it is, you know, uh, better coaching. The more experienced Andy Reid, and we can, you know, blast Andy Reid for all of his mistakes in the past and, you know, uh, whatever. But on this particular Super Bowl game, he won the coaching battle. Uh, Let me me point out to you, and you'll defend me on this. hmm? Before the game started, I said to you, Kansas City's going to probably win in a blowout. That's what I really thought. I said, they've got the better quarterback. 
and again, I, I have no op, I have no malice toward Jalen Hurts in any way. I'm not, but Mahomes is better. I said they've got the better coach, they've got the better quarterback, and if the game gets close, the calls will go their way. I didn't see. I thought Kansas City should have been favored by at least seven on the point spread. The fact that they were they were getting a point and a half, I was like, what the hell is going on here? So the point is, I'm not. Even if it, if I admit that there's bias, I don't like him. And as you point out, it's not necessarily him. It's everything that extends from him. I still acknowledge that the guy is good, that he's the best quarterback in the league. And I don't like Andy Reid, and I hate Matt Nagy. I, I, you'll never change my mind on that. And so, but yeah, Reid's a great coach too. I don't think Nagy's a great coach. I'll never say he was a great coach, even if he ends up winning a Super Bowl. I'll never say that. But the point is, I can acknowledge these other truths. And I, I, they, they do have a good quarterback and a good coach. They're the best quarterback. But that, that's what I'm saying. He's got, he's got it all anyway, and and he also has their officials. That's the part. It's just so discouraging because if Cincinnati can get cheated, I know we're trying to move on. If Cincinnati can get cheated, and if Philadelphia can get cheated, this could be the Bears in a big game, 2023, four five, whatever. And then I'm going to be like, see, I told you this shit. I mean, it, this could happen to us. If this were the Bears, if this was our Super Bowl, I would be inconsolable today. I, gotta, I, I would I feel say, like you stole my soul. I got to say, I'd have a hard time watching an NFL game if, if my thought process even lightly went towards the way Dan thinks. And I, I, sometimes I, look, I listen to Dan, man, I love you like a brother, and we're going to be closer and closer over time, we're gonna really get to know each other. But so far, I like I love everything about Dan Acquire. But I would, I just, I don't know how you cope with watching NFL football with that mindset, man. I don't know how you do that. Passionate. Well, well, and Dan, I don't want to speak for you, but you rarely watch other games, right? You're, you're like I was a huge NFL fan, mm-hmm. and now I'm a Chicago Bears fan. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I. Through the season, I probably watch five or six games of other teams now. I'm a Bears fan, but I used to be an NFL fan above all. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so my passion is only toward our team at this point. Now, again, I, I recorded some of the playoff games like the Jacksonville one. I kept that one, the big comeback, and I kept Cincinnati over Buffalo in the snow. But other than that, just the Super Bowl because it's the Super Bowl. Wow, adapt your knowledge of the of the Bears and your your history of it. Exactly, he really delves into it. I didn't realize this. Adeptus is saying the first person Mahomes wanted to celebrate w- with was Nagy. He ran around the field looking for him. Wow, is that really true? <laughs> I know that Nagy ran. Uh, he was the one celebrating more visibly than I saw anybody on the camera. As soon as the confetti was falling and stuff, I said, "God, there's the bald fuck." Mm-hmm. Hey guys, you know something? Coming from a guy who who kind of I got a little bit of insight on how quarterback co- coaches operate during a game. The offensive coordinator is the one over there calling the plays. He's hearing that shit in his head. Whatever the offensive coordinator is saying, the quarterback's coach's job is to scan the the uh, the field and see where the opportunities are for the uh, quarterback and. He's telling the offensive coordinator what he thinks. He, hey, I think there's some opportunities over here with this route or do this over here. And the offensive coordinator is considering it. So mm-hmm. they were in, they must have been in heavy communication between Nagy and the enemy. And they would just pick the pot shot in the, uh, the 
the Eagles really strong defense and they found some stuff that works with route being that. And they were calling it out where to run it at. And I believe Matt Nagy probably had a, a big deal to do with that because the enemy is not getting the view that, uh, that Nagy's getting with that, with that, uh, what is that little computer they use on the sidelines? I forget. It's that blue, uh, to windows. Yeah. Uh, surface, the window surface. surface yeah. So he's looking at all that and he's relaying that information. So I believe that's where the gratitude came from. Absolutely. That definitely was an advantage to them with him being a head coach for what, however many years, three years with the bears, four years with the bears. So definitely help. Well, After reading and, some of these comments, sorry, Aldo, go ahead. No, no, I got please. I was reading some of the chat room comments, and and I agree. I agree with the gentleman. I forget who said it specifically, talking about the the defense there. the The critical thing, above all, if I'm oh, Philadelphia, yeah. beyond that call, mm -hmm. I said I said it to you in the first quarter. I was like, they have to hit Mahomes over and over. When Tampa Bay beat Mahomes, they just hit him relentlessly. And when, and when Tom Brady lost to the Giants both times, it's because they hit him over and over and over. You've got to be willing to give up a deep 50-yard pass to get that shot in. You've got to hit him. You've got to have him looking, as you said, seeing ghosts when Sam Darnold was with the Jets. You referenced that soundbite. So he's he's got to be looking around. He can't be comfortable. You have to be willing to give up 50-yard passes early in the game to get those hits on him. And by the fourth quarter, especially if he's already hurt, if he's got this the, the, this you know ankle that he can barely run, even though every time he needs to run, he runs. If he's hurt, that's even more conducive to you by uh, winning the game if you're getting pressure on him. And they, I don't know if they just were so conceited to the fact that they could only bring four and that's all they needed, but you've got to blitz. The Giants gave you the blue, the blueprint against against Brady, and then the Bucks did it with Mahomes two years ago. Yeah, well, and the the Eagles' success as a defense this year was not because they blitzed. They they were one of the least the teams that blitzed the least. They put they had the most sacks in the NFL primarily based on their front four, and so that's that's their plan. They want to like every almost every other team in the National Football League. The new style of defense is you play cover shell. You get as many guys back to defend against the pass as possible. It's no longer, you know, Bradshaw has uh, Stallworth and Swan one-on-one -on, -one on defensive backs. Now it's running backs or wide receivers and running backs and tight ends running into a, a zone defense that is populated by as many players as possible because defensive coordinators, and this was made famous by Vic, uh, Vic Fangio with the Bears, they are just going to hesitate on blitzing because co good quarterbacks can fuck blitzes up. The blitz is coming from this side. I'm going to throw it right over the he blitzer's head, and and that's the strategy. And so why? That's why. But we're you said it yourself earlier. They scored what? How many points in the second half? To Casey? Every every, every, every every time they touched the ball, right? Yeah. So if you're being killed by you know by this conservative play call i realize that's been their style throughout the throughout the season mm -hmm. but if you realize you're having a slow death at some point maybe just bring a corner or a safety just just suddenly just shock them give yeah. them a different look and i would definitely tell you this during the bears and hell when we played philly uh, and again the bears lost i think 25 20 to philly who was a much better team 
than the Bears, but the Bears were in it. But that was the day the Bears had nobody, and they were blitzing. And they hadn't blitzed the whole season, and Philly didn't know how to handle it, and Hurts was throwing picks. Remember? Yep. I mean, so that's what I'm saying. Sometimes you have to do something different on tape, especially when you realize your game plan isn't working. Yeah. Guys, you, you, you know, how about the commercials? Uh, you know what, man? You know, I think everybody's outrage is misguided in this Super Bowl because the most atrocious thing I've seen in this Super Bowl was that was that fucking field. I've never seen a field be that fucking bad for a Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. A Super Bowl. You How got, about 2006? What's that? How about the 2006 Super Bowl? Well, it was raining on our game. Yeah, though, to I be fair. nothing about yeah. that, but I'm talking it about still, it. Was still a shitty field. You have you have regular field conditions, and I don't know how I don't know how long they have to prepare for a game. They they knew they had the game for a long ass time. I get the season was just over not that long ago, but you had a lot of fucking time to make sure you get this field. That shit was terrible. If you want a real conspiracy theory, in the third quarter, they the early third quarter, they were talking about the field and said that Philly had gone through like 10, 10 different cleats. And they showed a camera view of all these cleats stacked up and said Kansas City had made no adjustments with their footwear. So if you want a conspiracy theory, I'm not, I'm not saying that, that they were in, oh, the field guy helped. The, no, but I'm just saying it is coincidental. The Eagles couldn't stand, and they're changing their cleats over and over and over to Nomad's point about the field. You figure it's indoors. It's the Super Bowl. It should be the top-notch, the best grass in America or field turf. But, yeah, it was the Eagles sliding and not Kansas City. So. I think the complaint was is that they painted over uh, the grass, uh, I think, 48 hours or so, 72 hours, whatever, earlier in the week. And it, they didn't really properly test it out because a lot of those slips were happen happening on the painted portions of the field. But, yeah, Nomad, you're absolutely right. That was atrocious. And, again, another example of how the NFL can fuck up something really, really simple. I mean, that, that should not happen in the biggest game of the year. It's like it was at Soldier Field. <laughs> you know what, Dan? That's that's funny because that's what I started thinking about was how bad the side was in so Soldier Field before they uh, switched to whatever grass we have, Bermuda grass or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. But to have that long to prepare for something that's going to be viewed worldwide, and that, that's what you end up with? Mm -hmm. Now, you want to talk about a fucking conspiracy. What was the, what was the intent behind that? What the fuck? That that shit we, was crazy. We saw what that brand new Bermuda grass held up with in that first game of the season against the Niners in that monsoon that just downpoured the stadium. That wasn't getting all torn up. You know, so they did that in that short of time and made that field as nice as they did for such a a, a terrible do I sound okay? Do I sound like shit? I feel like I'm like loud or something. Okay. If you want me to suck your dick, I will, Dan. Oh, thank you. you sound great. You sound oh, sexy on Valentine's Day. No, I feel like because I can hear myself in my mic, and I feel like I'm too loud. But uh, it, that field held up in that game. It was the first game of the season, and it held up through that that rainstorm that we had. And it, if if if, if they would have put something like that down for the Super Bowl, you would have thought it would have held up better mm -hmm. than it did. Uh, I don't recall ever seeing a Cardinals game this year where there was that problem. I watched that that HBO uh, series that uh, uh, 
what's it called? The HBO Hard Knocks uh, that started in the middle of the season and, and followed the Cardinals every game. There was never an issue with the field. Why the hell does it have to happen in the, at the Super Bowl? Because they went outside the norm. They started fucking with the field and did things they, they haven't done before. So it's, it's, it's really stupid and ridiculous. Although, although that field was shaved way too low and, that's, and that side was too moist. You can see that from a distance. That that grass shouldn't have been that low, and that and that under uh, the underground shouldn't have been that moist. It was, it was lifting every time somebody made a move. Well, yeah, and somebody just put it up put up on uh, on our chat that you know after the halftime show there were tons of divots you know uh, out there, and so they they have to do you know they, they've done this successfully in the past. Had a good field. Had a big pyrotechnic halftime show. They've done this in the past. Why uh, they were not successful this time is, is beyond me. They need to check that out. Going back, Super Bowl twenty seven. even though the Cowboys won 52-17, they were complaining about the sod in the field at the Rose Bowl, mm-hmm. and especially after Michael Jackson performed at the half. And suffice to say, the Rose Bowl's never had a Super Bowl since. Mm-hmm. So maybe this is Arizona's like, well, sorry, you know, you fucked up the field, guys. Maybe this is their last Super Bowl. I heard they I heard they treat it outside and then roll it in. Yeah, it gets it gets like uh, they they pull it out and they they bring it back in. It's weird. Yeah, the 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 06 season are a big comeback and I know we're going to be talking Devin Hester so maybe I can offer a smooth transition. The big Monday night comeback the Dennis Green night when Devin had the return to beat Arizona in week 6 of 06. If I recall correctly, that was the first season that Arizona had that new field. I could be off base on that, but I remember before that game, they were showing the process of how, and they were showing it in faster motion, like fast forward, how the field looks when there's no grass and then when they bring it in. And they were like wheeling it in from outdoors or something uh, way back when that stadium first opened in that game that Devin shell-shocked them from the 23-3 to deficit that we had without even scoring a touchdown on offense and still won the game, which is fantastic. Well, be- before we get to Devin, uh, let's uh, talk about the halftime show because we always have to talk about the halftime show. I personally thought it was a good show. I know some people don't agree, but I thought Rihanna uh, did an outstanding job, and and Dan was asking me, is she pregnant? I go, no, she just had a baby. No, I heard legitimately she was pregnant again. Yes. I, I, I could be wrong about that, but I heard she – that's why no, no, she was – I was, I was just going to oh, get there. Sorry. I was just going to say my bad, my bad. Sorry, sorry. You don't have to be sorry. Uh, just let me talk. Sorry. <laughs> so Rihanna uh, did announce after her performance that she is pregnant, and so uh, that made the performance even more incredible to me, the fact that she would dare – to get up on the scaffolding uh, tens of dozens and dozens of feet up in the air. And uh, the vocals were augmented, but she was doing her own singing. And I love every one of the songs that she did. Um, uh, So I thought it was a good show. I'd love to hear what you guys thought. Amazing. The fact that they were moving those stages up and down on cables. Can you imagine being there in the stadium and just seeing everything going up and down in the darkness around you and just seeing it in real time? That would have been so amazing. That was really one of the the better, I think, productions that they've ever done for uh, Super Bowl halftime. Mm-hmm. Can, can I sneak it in? 
Can I sneak one in? Because I got I to gotta pop out for a second, Aldo. You bet, brother. I, I did not watch the uh, halftime show. I'm not a fan of Rihanna or her music. Not because I want to be a hater. I just don't. You know, she doesn't. I, I'm from. I grew up in a house where, you know, I'm going to get real black on y'all. We like Sangas. Not singers, Sangas. We like Luther Vandross. We like uh, your Patti LaBelle's. We like your, we like singer singers. She doesn't sing. I don't, I don't like today's R&B at all. I guess because I grew up in a house that listened to all that old 60s and 70s type of music. You know, she just, she ain't, I mean, she's a very attractive woman, very talented, very successful, but her music isn't for me. And there you go. There you go, Taurine, Anita Baker. I, I, that's the kind of shit I listen to when it comes to R&B music, and she doesn't have any of that for me. And so, no, I did not watch the halftime show and don't really have anything to say about it. But I will be back soon, you guys. I'll be right back. Okay, brother. Take care of business. Dan, uh, you were not a fan, I gather? No, I was just saying that she. I was surprised how bad the lip syncing was, but I didn't say that that I thought the show sucked or anything, especially given the fact that if she's pregnant, uh, maybe, maybe, I don't know if the league would get mad about it. Maybe they're like, well, you signed this deal X amount of months ago, like, and you got pregnant. Maybe that was a violation of the contract. Maybe it wasn't. I don't know. But I thought when we we're watching it live, that it was rather docile and tame, like her, uh, her, uh, you know, just her demeanor and everything. But if you tell me the caveat that the damn woman is pregnant, I don't, I don't blame her for being a little less boisterous and moving, especially when the platform is moving. So again, I, I, it was fine. Like it wasn't like Dr. Dre the year before was fantastic. Like, I don't think it was great, but I don't think it sucked, but it it was just kind of there. I could have honestly given a shit what she was singing. The production of it is what I was most impressed with. They're hanging these platforms from cables and they're fucking bringing them up and down and people are dancing on them. That was impressive. Put everything else aside. If you don't like the music or whatever, that was historic. I, mean, I just thought her energy that. was really low, though. That's what I'm talking about. So my, again, I, I have no. OK, imagine you're afraid of with Rihanna sitting up there pregnant or just giving birth whatever the two it is and you're and, and now you're trying to balance on this thing she was tethered but i'm terrified of heights if you put me on that thing and i had to do this for 20 million dollars i would do it but i would be like ah, the whole damn time you know so give her that i mean at least it, well, it, i just it, did amazing. it was amazing yeah um I- I, 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 a lot of people who's, uh, who I respect, the hair bear is a musician, but he, he didn't particularly like it. He said from an engineering step aspect, it was crazy good, but he does, did not like the singing. He thought it was boring. Um, I personally didn't. I, I don't I don't know. I didn't find it boring, perhaps because I'm familiar with those songs and I, I, I enjoyed her performance of them. Did it lack energy? Yeah, I, I guess it did. Uh, but. You know, again, you know, it was more a visual candy along with, uh, you know, the the electronic pop dance music that she is worldwide renowned for uh, that appealed to me. So I thought it was a good show and and, and more applause. I, I was even in more awe when I learned that, the, you know, that was a baby bump and, and not uh, 
eating too many Doritos. <laughs> uh, any commercials the other Dan? You mentioned commercials. Uh, any commercials that you want to talk about that you thought were particularly awesome? Uh, oh, commercials. Uh, there, the one that I liked was um, kind of stupid, but when they did the, uh, I think it was the Flash Gordon commercial, and they, they brought back Michael Keaton as Batman, like that completely threw Kitty and I off. We we're just sitting there watching this, you know, random commercial, and all of a sudden they show Michael Keaton as the next, like, probably not the next Batman, but he's probably the Batman in that film. And that just kind of like blew me away. It, both of us looked at each other, like, you know, and Kitty's worked, she worked on the, uh, the Dark Knight. So she's a, been a part of the, of the, the Batman film world. And when that happened, we both looked at each other like, holy cow, like that was strangely enough, kind of like the uh, highlight of the, the, the commercial night for us, because it was like, that was really cool to see that. It makes me want to see that movie, even though I wouldn't have wanted to see it before that. Mm -hmm. What about you, uh, Mr. Glad? Did you see a commercial that really stood out for you? I remember questioning. I sent you the thing. I was like, who was that? They, they did a spoof of Caddyshack. And I didn't know who was playing the characters. Like I, it was had to be somebody famous, but I didn't know who it was. Yeah, I missed that one. And I like the Alicia Silverstone Clueless ad. You know, it was a rip of Clueless. I that one stuck out. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. I, I really didn't watch the commercial so much. And if I, if I could comment quickly, because it was just someone referenced Prince, and maybe it's just me, but Prince was our Super Bowl. So I was so like scared about what could happen in the third and fourth quarter and how things could go wrong that prince could have been literally having sex with a woman at the half being blown and i wouldn't have noticed i mean <laughs> it should have been like oh man he's playing purple rain in the rain that should have been awesome but if it had been any other year maybe i would have acknowledged prince but because it was the bears game dude i i just didn't pay attention to prince at all um yeah, I, I have to agree with you, Dan. You know, the Prince performance, I vaguely remember. I remember the, the Purple Rain part because that was majestic. But for the most part, I was worried about the game and, and pacing and so forth. And, 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 and as far as the commercials, too, I probably watched 30% of those during the game because of thinking about the game itself, you know, going on social media. I'm talking to this, this year. I watched it with my wife. I'm talking to her and stuff. So, you know, the commercials have never been that important to me. Um, but I, I, I think that there is, there's been too much emphasis put on by consumers of the game on the commercials. And I, I know that the NFL likes it that way because they attract the casual sports fan, you know, so they want to entertain them with a halftime show and with super well-produced commercials. But to me, it's all about the game first and foremost, and uh, and we had a good game this year, despite the, if, if you want to look at it as a controversial result or not, uh, despite all that, it was two really outstanding football teams going against one, one another in a historical battle, too, with the two African-American quarterbacks, the two brothers facing each other, uh, other storylines that made it incredibly interesting. I, I loved it uh, on so many different levels, and I think that leads to the next topic. We'll talk about Devin shortly, but the next topic that we wanted to explore here is, all right, so what can the Bears learn from the Eagles 
and what can they learn from the Chiefs? It's a it's a copycat league. It's been said for decades now. So we look at their success, particularly with Jalen Hurts, because his storyline kind of uh, mirrors a lot of what Justin Fields has gone through. He didn't really start excelling until his third season in the league. Justin Fields is entering his third season. So how did the Eagles get this MVP caliber type season out of Justin Fields? Obvious. Um, A.J. Brown, you get A.J. Brown, you get a stud, I mean, just a fucking beast of a man, a wide receiver from Tennessee, and they, they built that offensive line. And, and that's what we have to do. They, they put monsters around Jalen Hurts, and the defensive line was, was big guys too. So they rebuilt both lines and got him a stud wide receiver, and then his natural talent just went from there, which is what we think. Fields could do as well, which is what we hope. But Jalen had it in him the whole time. He just didn't have the ta talent around him. I hate saying that as a Bears fan because it sounds like I'm trying to give Justin an out. But he kind of deserves the out, just the way Jalen Hurts did early on. These are two contrasting teams because uh, the Chiefs traded a, a player, a wide receiver, for a bunch of picks that they're now going to – Use to build their future with a quarterback who has a half a billion dollar contract. That's the best possible move that they could have done. <clears throat> Excuse me. They're going to build their team through that trade, through that Tyreek Hill trade. On the opposite end, the the Eagles traded what for for AJ Brown, and they got to a Super Bowl with him, but they had to pay him and all that. So what? What was the I don't remember what the compensation was for that trade, but in opposite or in contrast, I should say the Chiefs received picks instead of gave them away. That's going to help to build a team like that who has that contract at quarterback. Yeah, but Kansas City's got Kelsey, who I don't like either, but is the best tight end next to the the gentleman in San Francisco. The the best tight either tight either number one or two, depending. And how you look, I'll say number one, the best tight end in the league. So you can almost trade Tyreek Hill when you've got a wide receiver, kind of like Shannon Sharp, that could have played wide receiver, but it's playing tight end. You can almost so, trade Travis Kelsey yeah. now, too. And well, get a I wouldn't go that far. Round picks for him. And, and that's what that team has been able to do. I mean, Mahomes has got to have some weapons, and, and that dude's they, always open. He is always open. He's great. Yeah, I, the Tyreek Hill trade was huge. For the Chiefs, they're gonna they're gonna have sustained success. That's what we need to see this Bears team. I will argue that the Hill trade actually makes Mahomes better. It reminds me of something back in the day with Brett Favre when he was constantly forcing the ball to Sterling Sharp, and when Sterling got hurt, he suddenly had to pass the ball around. There wasn't a number one receiver per se, and the fact that Mahomes can't zero in on Hill so much and the fact he is like dropping dimes all over the field it almost makes him more dangerous because you don't have the one guy to focus on oh man are you here i am i am and, and, and it gives him more of an opportunity to to improvise more and and realize he doesn't have his main guy right he, he's only he's he has his main guy in kelsey but he's losing hill now so he has to make up for that so with the kind of guy in Mahomes, it's going to make him better in that regard, like you're saying, because it, it's going to help him make himself better by making his other players around him better too. You know, we saw that with you know even Pacheco this year, the rookie. Oh, that guy's a stud. Number one. I mean, it's, it's, oh man, 
the future. That's something that we would love to see for the Bears is for them to get to a point where they're trading someone, a receiver that's on a last-year contract or wants to be paid for a boatload of picks to keep that going. To keep, I mean, that's the most brilliant thing about thing about this Chiefs team for me was that Tyreek Hill trade. No, Matt, your thoughts, please. I I think the the key to it all, and it was the, it was the front four of both sides of the ball, front four, front five, front seven. The money that was invested, or the draft capital that was invested, in both fronts, on the offensive side and the defensive side, were the key. It starts and stops there. You know, we can we can be intrigued with all the bells and whistles that happen after the establishment of, of a great offensive line and a great defense after that happens, especially on offense, after you, you, you've established dominance up front and you've given your quarterback the proper pocket and the time to look up and down the field and scan to see what he sees. The bells and whistles happen when the quarterback throws it to a receiver. That's all nice and, and dandy, but you must establish yourself on your fronts on the offensive side and the defensive side in order for you to sniff the playoffs. We're not getting nowhere near it unless we get that established. That's a guarantee. And so all the, all the bells and whistles and the trinkets that come with a, a really powerful offense or and all that kind of stuff, the, the number one receiver, all that stuff's good, but you must go there first. In order yeah, to Bears, a chance. Bears fans, do not be upset when they start drafting trenches. And you're like, no, we could have got this receiver there or that receiver there. It starts with the trenches. Period. Indeed. Well, and talking about uh, A.J. Brown, uh, Dan's point about why the leap for Jalen Hurts, my issue, it's not an issue, my concern is that there really isn't a number one receiver that I see out there that is attainable. Um, If – Unless Polis is going to say, okay, fuck the plan that I had, which is to methodically build this team through the draft and spending money wisely. Uh, If he's going to throw that plan plan away, then I'm going to get super worried because he then will do what every general manager in the past has done, which is rush towards greatness as opposed to doing it thoughtfully, methodically, making the right moves. T. Higgins, for example, was mentioned in, in the chat room. I don't see why you would want to trade a number one draft pick for a receiver who is really just a second receiver, like Greg Gabriel was saying earlier today. He is not a A.J. Brown. He's not really a number one receiver. His numbers are inflated because of the offense that he plays. We basically made that trade already with Chase Claypool. If you want to find a stud wide receiver, there's the possibility of finding him in the draft because we have found uh, NFL teams have found stud wide receivers in round two, round three, maybe even maybe even sometimes day three. What I would like to see is this team acquire another tight end, one who is better than Cole Komet at pass catching, so that Fields has his Travis Kelsey. Fields has that receiver who he knows, it's third down and six, I'm going to this tight end. That's my man. He is the guy that gets me out. And also, 
uh, make sure you acquire a running back so that the running game is not reliant on your quarterback, but is now reliant on an explosive running back who can bust 40, 50, 60 yard runs. So draft a, a running back and draft a tight end or acquire those either one of those guys via free agency. Mike Gusecki is an interesting uh a potential tight end to team up with Cole Komet. I think it was uh, last year his numbers were down because the new head coach there d- doesn't really use the tight end. But in 2021, he had 73 catches for 780 yards. And, uh, and, and that's the type of production I would love to see along with Cole Komet who could come close to matching those numbers. So, uh, you know, follow follow the lead of Casey and, and and Philadelphia in terms of that. Focus on running the ball and finding another big time pass catcher, a big target for for Justin Fields. What do you guys think? I I want to jump in just thirty seconds. Something that is so simplistic to me, and if this were nineteen ninety four, I'd be saying the same thing. And I'm not being facetious at all. Green Bay has been beating us for years with the slant route over and over and over and over. A.J. Brown does that beautifully in Tennessee and in Philadelphia. I don't know why we can't do anything like that. This the slant route, just, you know, a three-step drop and the ball's out. I mean, if we can do that with Chase Claypool, he's got size. Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, I wouldn't want to put Mooney in that route over and over because he's smaller. But I'm just saying we did, we never do that. And for decades, that route has been beating us. And it's, it's making me turn gray, I think, by just talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> if I can, if I can sneak in there real quick, and I gotta pop out just for one more minute, yeah. Um, I just want, I just want people to wrap their minds around this, and we get so hyper focused on polls. What he, what's he, what's he doing? What's he not doing? Is he, is he the right GM? Listen, polls is there. His number one reason for existing is to act out the the coach's vision. What is the coach's vision? What does he see this team to be? And clearly, Matt Eberflus wants a physical, physically dominant team that is smart, that that you, he wants a team full of leaders that are smart and play for the fourth quarter. And so in order to establish that, you have to establish everything up front first. And so right away, you're gonna you're gonna find the holes in your offensive line and your defensive line, and you're gonna address that right away in free agency. So it wouldn't surprise me to see two moves being made on both sides of that ball right away. Right away, you might see an offensive lineman, a defensive lineman, another offensive line, another defensive lineman. And then on the second wave, if you find a, a value receiver, fine. But I, I, can, I can tell you this right now. The dominance is going to come on in the ground, on the ground rather. And they're going to have to find – if they don't see it in the draft, they're going to have to find that running back in free agency. And I'm not going to beat y'all to death about Josh Jacobs, but I do believe he's the guy. I really do. I believe if you're going to, if you need a bell cow running back that can go from zero to 60 and put you in the end zone, that can block, that can pass catch, that can do everything. And he's young and you don't see it in a draft. You definitely go spend a little bit of money to get him. And so there's where I think we will, change the game and flip the script for the Chicago Bears. I agree with Nomad that you win in the trenches and you so you have to you have to find four starters on the defensive line because you don't have 
any starters on defensive line. If you've got to uh, really uh, do something about the right tackle position and probably another position in the uh, offensive line, but you need those skill players well. Now, one thing I, I would never – never spend that kind of money on, on a Josh Jacobs. I just won't do it because you can find explosive running backs in the what draft. What kind of money are you talking about, though? I, 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 I won't spend any. I won't spend that. I bet you I can find the starter on this uh, for the Bears running back in round four. I bet you I could. Um, let's let's the, the day of the draft when it comes to round four, I'll point out three running backs. I would say we should target those running backs right now. If we haven't already drafted one in round three, target those three guys and they can be the starter day one. I well, let me just be. reference their last Super Bowl appearance, maybe was a right result of signing Thomas Jones as a free agent. He, I mean, in 2005, he was running against eight man fronts. I mean, every game when. KO was in there and was a rookie and couldn't throw the ball and they were afraid to have him throw the ball. It was Thomas Jones. It was, I mean, running eight straight wins and stuff for us. So I'm just saying, I'm not contradicting you. Uh, you could to totally be right. But if you told me Josh Jacobs was signed, especially given the cap space, I wouldn't be upset. But if you told me there was a great stud running back that we drafted, I would trust your judgment on that too, where I don't watch college football. But uh, real quick, uh, the uh, Thomas Jones was a reclamation project for the Bears. Right. He came, he he came off a 627-yard rushing season with with the Bucks, so it wasn't like he was Josh Jacobs. Sure, that's a good point too. That's certainly a good point. But he was a first-round pick. But you're right in Tampa, he was behind Michael Pittman, uh, and yeah, and then in Arizona, it just didn't work for him. So. Uh, and he had Allstott there in Tampa as well. And uh, I guess Warwick Dunn was already in Atlanta by that time. But anyway, yeah, you're right. You're right. Thomas Jones wasn't demanding the type of contract. But going into the 04 season, he was the first free agent signed. As soon as midnight Eastern hit, the Bears signed him. So that said something. And yeah. it's so ironic within three years, the guy that they coveted to sign immediately as soon as Lovey got there, they threw him away for nothing. Right. Because they wanted Cedric Benson, the late Cedric Benson. That. I love that because Dan, if you if I if I'm correct, right? Didn't Anthony, didn't uh, he come out of the Anthony Thomas draft too? Thomas Jones was drafted. No, Anthony Thomas was a rookie in 2001 and was NFC Offensive Rookie of the Year that year. No, I know, and, but and, uh, Thomas Jones was drafted in Urlacher's draft in 2000. And oh. when A Train, the first year Thomas Jones was there, we had A Train there with him. I thought, why not put these two guys in the backfield at the same time? Mm -hmm. But we just gave up on A, a Train, and I, I thought that was a mistake. They could I have used both of them. Very similarly, if not in the same draft. So, yeah. They're, they're 2000, 2001. In 01, we drafted Anthony Thomas and uh, in the second round and David Terrell first. Mm -hmm. And that guy ended up being a bust. But, yeah, and uh, Thomas Jones was drafted one spot ahead of Erlacher, right? Uh, that is correct. Uh, I can check that quickly, but I'm pretty sure that is correct. Uh, Toa says Zay Flowers got a feeling Pose is taking him in the second round. I got a feeling that's why Ryan Pose was, was at the East West Shrine Bowl game to take a look at Zay Flowers, who said no to the Senior Bowl and then elected instead to go to the East West Shrine Bowl game. I personally am wondering did he go, did he say no because he didn't want to go to Mobile and wanted to hang out in Vegas, particularly since he made the decision to just practice one day and then that was it. He shut everything down and I hope he's. He, that was not his 
influence because and then you got to wonder, is this guy really 100% in? When I interviewed Tajay Sharp, he made a point of telling me, I was going to play in that Cotton Bowl game. I was not going to let my teammates down. I was not going to let my coaches down. I was not going to let everyone down. And that's the type of mentality that I want. And Tajay Sharp, he he could have saved himself from a potential injury in that Cotton Bowl. He could have saved himself from potential injury at the Senior Bowl. But instead, he participated fully in both. And his draft stock has gone considerably up since then. And what did he say to you in your interview with him, Aldo? Mm-hmm. He was he, he wanted to get out there for his brothers. Yeah, exactly. Period. Exactly. exactly. That's the guy you want on your team. Yeah. So you know those are, those are the guy, type of guys you want. But I I do agree with you know the team could use there, there's receivers that are going to be available as far down as the fourth fifth round who have that kind of explosive quality that could serve a good part. Uh, in a good role in this offense. But I think that maybe we should consider acquiring another tight end and then focusing the offense around a rushing, short passing attack using the tight ends as your primary offensive weapons. Chase Claypool and Darnell Mooney go, go for big plays on occasion, but it's running with a fucking fantastic running back and it's it's getting the ball to a Gasecki or, or somebody. Thank you for segueing into my hard <laughs> on for Darnell Washington. I've been saying it in everyone's chats. I love Darnell Washington from Georgia. Like, <laughs> I've been like 270 fucking this guy is a beast. He blocks. He catches. He jumps over guys. He's athletic. He's the guy that I want next to commit. That would be, in my mind, a freaking powerhouse, man. I, so, I don't know where he's going to go. I don't know what, what his ranking is. We're going to find out after the combine, but God, I love that guy. I will say, if for some reason Arizona cuts Hopkins with the mm-hmm. new coaching staff and they say he's 30 and he's not worth that money, again, if you said, well, we've got the most cap space and they signed him to two- or three-year deal – Love that too. Market rate and not breaking the bank. I, I would love that. I mean, to me, that's going to make fields better. But the prime, I agree. The offensive line has to be, and I agree with your your tight end stance stance as well. But to, the most important thing is the offensive line, and mm-hmm. I think we were saying that on this show last year and probably the year before. Can I, I mean, respond? So you, you, white white hair's got to be gone. You've got to get. I like that center you profiled from Minnesota. With mm-hmm. the serial killer name, that guy, <laughs> the the left guard's got to be improved. Uh, I think I, I like our right guard if he can stay healthy, and possibly <laughs> right tackle. So, and mm-hmm. uh, and I'm not even a hundred percent sold on Braxton. I'm not saying Braxton can't be the man, but if for some reason you got a guy in the draft that's right there that you think is a dominant left tackle, then I think you give him competition. Don't just say, "Well, Braxton's a left tackle forever, and we're not going to try to improve." Yep. Go ahead. Uh, J-, J. says J- uh, Darnell Washington is overrated. If he is, I hope he falls in the draft. Uh, in the he fair- will. <laughs> I, I got a feeling Darnell Washington will be available uh, on day three. Uh, he is. He is an intriguing player. Day uh, four. But- let's, let's take him. We'll have we'll have five extra picks by then, and we'll. Uh, I would just love to see him on the team as a beast. 
Mm, okay, here we go again. I, I know more than you. You're saying that the, uh, the polls should trade uh, Justin Fields. <laughs> That's a no from Hair Bear. That's a no from everybody here in the bar room. <laughs> well, and I want to play uh, No Matter. You back? Okay, he's not back, but I want to play this interview with Rich Eisen, uh, where he Rich Eisen addressed that with him. You know, if, if the Bears told you anything about potentially looking at other quarterbacks and stuff, I'll wait for Nomad to get back because I'd love to for him to because he's he's actually I think he's the one that that uh, alerted me that uh, Fields was talking to Eisen. But um, was it you, Mister Shorty? Um, no, I was talking to who? No. <laughs> Sometimes Mr. Shorty's not listening. I can tell. No, I was reading that. I was reading the, the the chat here. J Rock says Shorty's going crazy for that tight end who had 400 yards and two touchdowns. <laughs> That's right. He asked me about that earlier in chat on some other show today. I think it was Greg Gabriel or something. He said, "How, how many uh, yards did he have? What was it? What were his stats?" I gave him to him. He was like, "Ah, yeah, yeah. that's crap." Yeah, he, but I could excel in the NFL though. Then not all of them are great in college. You know, they some of them are mediocre in college, and then they're great in the NFL. It happens. He's, he's, he's got the size and in the athletic the athleticism to be something is what I mean. Yeah, uh, yeah. He's he's going to be a third tight end in the NFL. Trust me on that. Here's some video on him. He's number zero here. He, he's a big guy that can block uh, tremendously. Um, he's got a huge catch radius. Uh, I mean, okay. look at him. He looks like another cat. Say that again. He put that guy on his ass with that catch, though. Yeah, that guy is five foot four, two hundred and five pounds. <laughs> no, there's Adam no Shaheen. Shaheen. Adam Shaheen was running over motherfuckers in his college tapes too. <laughs> but he wasn't doing it on Georgia. That's true. That's true. You're right. Yeah. No, he's definitely an athlete. I, I we'll we'll see. We'll see. That big that could just do that and that last play that you showed, spin out of that tackle and hit the ground like that without getting injured. Mm -hmm. oh, I know. I I might be crazy. I'm sorry, but he's the guy that I'm just. I have a hard on for right now, so I'm sorry. I'll, I'll get over it. <laughs> no, and, and it's fine. I'm, but you're right that the combine is going to be huge for him to see how he tests, because I, I wonder if what he's going to run in the 40 and he may not make it into the four sixes. He might run that 40 and four seven. So if that's the case, then you're definitely looking at a third string tight end. Um, yes, and I haven't, I haven't studied him all that much, but from the little that I know um, he's, he's kind of a borderline guy. Wouldn't mind taking a, a shot at him a late round, but um, I right now what we need is a Travis Kelsey type tight end, a really great ball catching. Komet is not never going to be that guy. I think what we saw the best out of Komet is probably what we saw this season and maybe a little bit more as he and Fields get more familiar. But he's not. He, he's a in line blocking tight end who can catch passes now and then. And, and well, to so, to be fair to Komet, he. Like he had to block a lot more than he would if if the Bears had been better on the line. Mm -hmm. It's like a lot of times he was just completely taken out of the game because the Bears' offensive line was so bad. And again, as you know, I've not been Komet's biggest fan, but I think he can show us more if he's allowed to play his position without having to block in on almost every play because these guys are just not any good. If I could say one more thing, 
about going back to your point about running back, mm-hmm. I would love it's it's my wettest fucking dream with regards to running back other than Walter. Just a guy like a like a Legarrette Blunt. Like I don't mean to to be the main guy, but a guy that you bring in that just runs over somebody, a Jerome Bettis, Otis Anderson, you know, just a big hoss kind of guy. Yeah, like the, the Green Bay's guy right? now. The Jones, Aaron Jones, somebody that's really big to for one-two punch that could come in and wear wear the def. I, I'd love to see like a two hundred and forty-pound guy just running over somebody. Mm-hmm. I agree. I I love big bruising uh, running backs. It's a great way to tire out a defense. You got a lead in the fourth quarter. You know, you give it to that back, and you give it to that back, and you give it to that back. Uh, none of us can forget the A train and how good he was in fourth quarters of football sure. games and locking those games up. Uh, yeah, I I, I, lo- I long for for that, uh, but I don't want to pay ten fifteen million dollars a year for a back like that. I really do think, and I know a lot of people take exception and say, "Oh, he sucked. He was he was he was done." And maybe he was, but I thought that that's what we had with Michael Bush. When we signed him, but he couldn't get on the field. And again, I know Forte overall is a better player, but I thought that like in the fourth quarter, that's where you bring Bush in. He he had, despite being a big guy, a lot of elusiveness too. He's the kind of guy that could jump over a linebacker's head and stuff. He did it with the Raiders. I don't, it just felt like he was the guy I thought, oh, he's going to be our wear down guy. And he just never got a shot there. And we haven't tried it, it since. What do you think about what Toa says about isn't David Montgomery that bruising back? No, I mean, I mean, I like David Montgomery, but he's not a big power back. They had Derrick Henry, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, Henry. I don't know if you're going to get another Derrick Henry because he's the arguably the best back in the league, but somebody of that size and ilk, mm-hmm. a fullback type. Remember, like again, I referenced Allstott earlier. I'm not saying that we're not going to have a fullback that gets those many carries anymore. Like all stuff, but somebody like that that can play the tailback position that can just run you over. Again, the Williams guy that used to be in Green Bay that's in Detroit now, Jamal is his name Jamal Williams? Yes. That's another guy. Somebody like that could just come in and takes like four guys to take him, bring him down. That's that's what I'm advocating for. Craig Hayward. Oh man. When Craig was with the Bears, though, he was too heavy. Like he was he Wait. was like 360 in 93, and the Bears had him. For real, when he was wearing 45, oh, man, he was too big. Awesome. He was like a Jerome Bettis type, like somebody else said in here in chat, too. It, it, he was at some point when he was at that right weight, he could just barrel you yeah. over. Like, after the great. Bears got – you're right. After the Bears got – obviously, he did well in New Orleans, but after the Bears got rid of him, he had one or two 1,000-yard thousand, thousand years with the Falcons after he got lean again. When he was with the Bears, something happened, he was just – he was 350 pounds. He was eating pizza and Italian beefs and Chicago-style hot dogs and french fries. He was fries. bigger than, pa- than William Perry. I can tell you that right now. Go back and watch the game from 93 with Craig Hayward at fullback. Yeah, and J2K says Monty is absolutely a power back. Yeah, but he's not a power back in the league of a Derrick Henry. Uh, Monty is 5'11", 225 pounds. Derrick Henry is 6'2", 247 pounds. Yeah. And that that's the type of power back I think Dan is referring to, right, Dan? Yeah, yeah. Like I said, the Green Bay's got a good one now. That, I mean, he, to me, he's the, the guy that scares me the most on their team is Jones. I agree. I agree, particularly against the Bears defense. That is 
trying to build a defense of really fast, quick defenders, they're not building a defense with defensive linemen who weigh over 315 pounds, you know, and so they're going to be susceptible to this power running game that a lot of teams are going to utilize in answer to these shell defenses that, that are playing, you know, that, there's trends in football, and I think what we're going to see next is more of a trend towards running the ball to to deal yes. with these multiple defensive backs in the backfield. There are only four it's linemen. Cyclical. Yeah, it's it's totally cyclical. So we'll, we'll see. It's gonna come uh, back to running. It's yeah. it's 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 already started to come back with running quarterbacks, mm-hmm. and that's developing the running game all over again in a different way. Right. It, One thing I like that Philly was doing. I'm not even talking about that formation is the fact that, you know, Hey, it's fourth and one. Let's not fuck around. Let's run the quarterback sneak for the last five, six, seven years on a fourth and one, the bears are always in a shotgun and it makes me want to take an actual shotgun to my fucking head. (laughs) Stand it, dude. Like get behind the center and let's go. (laughs) I hear you, man. Um, No, man, are you back? No. He's still taking care of some family business. He says he's back. I see it on the screen. Oh, yes. I'm back. I'm back. Oh, there you are. He's you want to hear the story? Yeah, go yeah. ahead. All right. Hey, you know what, man? Thank you. Thank all three of you gentlemen for being patient with me, especially Aldo, knowing what the situation is. Shorty for knowing what the situation is. Dan, I'll right. fill you in at some point. But my uh, girlfriend's mother has dementia, and uh, she's, she's at the point where it's a uh, struggle to get her to the bathroom and off the toilet and on the toilet and to the bedroom to go to bed and right at the critical second the fucking bed just broke down on me oh no the fucking bed just broke down on me not 10 minutes ago so i had to just take the whole frame off or from around and just put the whole box spring and mattress on the floor for the night yeah. and uh she gonna ride with it for the night and she'll be all right yeah Man. I'm sorry for your adversity. That that's all. It's all good, man. It's all good. She's we, we take good care of her, man. So it's not as bad as it sounds. We we made yeah, it work. I know you do from just talking with you a lot. So yeah, yeah, you're, good, you're good. You're a good man, Nomad. On with the show, man. What we got? All right. Well, we're gonna. Uh, thanks to you, you pointed me to the Rich Eisen Justin Fields interview. So I'd like to uh, play uh, about four or oh, five minutes of that. And I will pause. Let me see if I can find this thing first. I will pause uh, at certain points so that we can react to uh, what's being said. But uh, let's start with. Bears uh, may just be the. Let's start with Rich Eisen uh, sucking up to Justin Fields. Best team I've ever seen wind up first overall in the club. Yeah. You know, a lot of games where, you know, we could have came. We where, where, where we just came up a little short to where yes. you know if you know one possession gets changed or we score in the last drive you know the the, the whole flip the whole script flips so uh, you know next year we're just going to take advantage of those you know opportunities. Did the game slow down for you this year? I think so. You know I think with the experience I think you know with just the reps um, you just learn uh, to be 
calm in a chaotic environment, you know, yes. and, you know, the big D linemen are, you know, trying to sack you and stuff like that. I mean, you just have to be calm uh, as a quarterback and stuff like that. So, of course, you know, I, I still have room to improve, but, um, you know, I'm definitely uh, seeing improvement for myself this year. You know, our head coach, Coach Flus, just met Steve Young. So I'm looking uh -huh. forward to getting, you know, getting together with him and talking to him a little bit about, okay. you know, the quarterback position a little bit, you know, about, about playing quarterback. So, All right. Yeah. Give me what, do you, what would you want to pick Steve Young's brain about? Um, you know, just everything, just, you know, the ups and downs, um, you know, how he played the position and, you know, what his mindset was going into each week, going into each and every game. Now's the time where I've been, you know, trying to grow um, personally, spiritually as mm -hmm. a quarterback. So, I mean, I've, I've, you know, grown a lot these, these past, you know, few weeks in the offseason. All right. We have to be incredibly happy to see that he is meeting with Steve Young, who um, – there's there's similarities to their style. I mean, well, even so, Steve Young was at Tampa, surrounded by average players, and Steve Young looked like he was a bust. Yeah. But you got him to San Francisco, and suddenly he's got Jerry Rice. He's mm -hmm. got Roger Craig. He's got Tom Rathman. He's got John Taylor. He's got Brent Jones. And now he's in the Hall of Fame. Dan, so that's the narrative talk? we're trying to make for Justin Fields. Can we mm -hmm. please talk about how he's paying it forward? Dan, you know about how uh, Steve Young came to Jim McMahon, or Jim McMahon gave him advice on the corkscrew in the past when he he taught he he was like teaching Steve Young how to spin the ball with a he basically a corkscrew, and Steve Young attests Jim McMahon to teaching him that method of his past because he was left-handed and he was like throwing a little bit a little bit differently than a right-handed person might do, and he he attests him to that. So that's kind of like it's being paid forward now. So if if Steve Young then gives back advice to Justin Fields in some way, shape, or form, that's, that's fucking beautiful, man. It, it, McMahon did like Steve Young, but he hated Mark Wilson, another guy that was at BYU. But yeah, I I, I just think Steve Young again, a very similar early in his career. Even when he goes to San Francisco, he's running the ball probably too much. And not utilizing Jerry Rice. So, yeah, it is very similar, maybe other than the fact Steve's left-handed. But I, I also, to, to Fields' credit, and a lot of us won't like this maybe, I saw that he said he got Rodgers' number from Getze and mm -hmm. wanted to talk to Aaron this offseason, especially with Aaron seemingly going to the AFC after he gets out of his dark room or what, masturbating, whatever he's doing right now. But... <laughs> The fact that he wants to talk to Rodgers, I mean, as much as I hate him, like Rodgers, obviously, that shows that Fields is like, dude, I'm doing everything I can to get better here. I want to listen to anybody that's willing to help me. He's humble. Just the small clip you had of Eisen talking to him there, I'm like, that's my guy. That's my guy. You know, before I say something, let me. I just want to uh, acknowledge everybody in the chat showing me love for what I just – Got through saying, especially uh, Triple R, Renew, man. I really appreciate all you guys, Cliff, everybody, J2K. I appreciate you guys. It is something different that I'm going through, but that's not why we're here. I appreciate all that love. I had to mention that. But sure. in all in all the interviews I've seen. Valentine's Day. What's that? It is Valentine's Day. You yeah. said that, and I saw the heart underneath us here, and I thought, oh, it is Valentine's Day. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. But in all the interviews I've seen, and when he mentioned uh, Steve Young, when I heard the, the name Aaron Rodgers, and I, and I heard Justin say, 
that he knew that he needs he knows that he needs to work on his quick game is what he said and being referenced to those two guys for uh somebody to talk to and lean on and to pick their brains about how to get to that man those are two great people to talk to because everything we're talking about everything we've been talking about since the season stopped or, or even during the season was man we he needs to get his Short game, he needs to hit those slants. He needs to hit those screens. All the short intermediary stuff that we know Justin needs to work on. He acknowledged it, and he's got references to get himself better. And somehow or another, I know he's going to come out of that. But it's he's going to come out of it better. But it's going to take repetition. It's going to take repetition. Yeah, and I I shortened that interview, but essentially, you know, what he said, the main thing he said about uh, what he wants to learn from Steve is his mental approach to the game. And I appreciate that, but I also hope that he learns a lot about that Bill Walsh, Bill Walsh, excuse me, Bill Walsh short passing attack. That's the West Coast offense is essentially what is being run in the NFL in every camp. Get rid of the ball quickly. You take a three-step drop. You stop, hitch, and throw. Take a five-step drop, stop, hitch, and throw. You're not looking around for receivers. You know where your receivers are going to be. You're going to throw to a spot, and you're going to get it there, and you're going to be confident with your throw. That's where he has to get to as an NFL quarterback. He is spending way too much time in the pocket or moving out of the pocket because he's processing plays. Now, that's not to say that there that it's all his fault. Of course, the offensive line, wide receivers who are new to the team, wide receivers running bad routes and so forth. There's a whole lot of factors involved with that. But what I hope most of all that he's getting out of Steve Young is all of the little uh, intricacies, nuances out of the West Coast offense. You know, another point to make quickly, Steve Young in some ways started this Green Bay dominance against us because his 1991 was so impressive because Bill Walsh is gone, right? Montana's hurt. He missed the whole season because the NFC Championship injury against the Giants. Mm-hmm. Steve Young comes in. You don't know what you're going to get yet. He's had moments on flashes, but he's been the backup. But he had such a good year despite the f- they were 10-6 and six and didn't make the playoffs. But it was so successful that his offensive coordinator, a gentleman named Mike Holmgren, Got the Green Bay coaching job, and that's what set the Packers in the right direction and turned because the Bears beat the shit out of them for like 10 straight years. <laughs> and, and then suddenly Holmgren goes there, and then he gets Favre, and the rest is history. Hey. Yep. The, the other thing about what we just heard with Justin Fields, and I wish Rich Eisen would have asked a follow-up to get more information, is he just said before I paused it that in the last three weeks he has grown uh, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually as a quarterback. What does that mean? What what was the catalyst behind this confidence that he has? I really, really would love to know about that. And so the Chicago media, when you're out there, uh, when you get that offseason interview with Justin Fields, please dig into that because that is exciting. He sounded confident and relaxed and ready to go. Uh, Unless it's a defense mechanism about the possibility of being traded. Ooh, well, that comes up in this interview. Ayahuasca. You know something, Aldo, and and the rest of you guys, (laughs) what's particularly interesting to me is the guys that, you know, he's going to lean on in the offseason for helping his game out. 
And both both these two guys, Steve Young, and I've watched his BYU tape, and I've watched uh, Aaron Aaron Rodgers' uh, uh, California Cal tape. And they weren't they weren't the same guys by the time they developed and became seasoned in the NFL Hell. with their throwing motions. Hell so both no! Of them, both of them develop a, a certain kind of flick in their wrists Aaron when Rogers. it came to the short when it came to the short passing game. And and I'm so happy that he's using those guys as a reference as far as his um his growth and development, what he's talking about, his maturity, trying to grow. I think he's just now accepting that we're going to put the franchise on your shoulders. And I think he's preparing himself mentally for what's to come. And so everything I've heard thus far, Justin Fields is awkward and, and nervous in front of a camera. And I don't know if that's ever going to change, but that's just the way it is for him. He sounds awkward to me. He sounds nervous and he looks nervous, but that's just his personality trait. When he puts on those pads, when he he puts on those pads, and he goes on the field. He's a fucking leader. He's a lot better with the media than Trubisky was. But he's a lot better uh, in these Super Bowl interviews this past week than he was, you know, six months ago. So he's getting better at that too. Yeah, I don't. I don't find him nervous at all. I don't read that that way, Nomad. But uh, you know, that's just it's, a- it's like he had a stuttering problem or something at some point of his life. It seems like to me. But maybe I overanalyze shit. Yeah, it's more like he doesn't like know how to deal with it because he's just he's been in his own world you know since high school and has been you know mowing the lawn in the dark after hanging out with his friends after a a big win on a friday night you know because his dad was making him mow the lawn at you know you wanted to stay out you got to mow the lawn i mean all of it's really all of that shit's insignificant it's when he put the puts the pads on his emotion his emotional maturity when it comes to the game is what he was talking about in the interview, just trying to remain balanced and keep focused on what he needs to do. And that's, I think that's what he was saying in the interview. Yeah. Agreed. Um, All right, let's get back to it. Have they spoken to you about their draft strategy at all? Um, Yeah, no, not really. Uh, You know, after the season, we had our exit meetings and, you know, talked a little bit about that, talked about, you know, what, you know, they could have done as a, what we could have done in the building uh, to improve, you know, mm-hmm. just the facility and stuff like that, and you know what I need to work on in the off season. So uh, it was a good exit meeting, and um, you know, just just looking forward to, of course, getting together with my guys this off season, getting better with them, and you know, looking forward to uh, training camp. Too. But obviously, that's just a day after learning that they have the first overall selection. I mean, and yeah. they're going to start digging into this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want them to tell you if they're bringing in a kid to work out or you want to be kept up to speed on this? Oh, yeah, Justin? for sure. I think, you know, everybody uh, would, would love honesty in the uh, process. So um, I would definitely, you know, like to know that. And, you know, I, it's a it's a business, so I, you know, totally understand. Um, no hard feelings, but, you know, like I said, I control what I can control and control my work ethic, control how I, you know, carry myself each and every day. But you've don't you think you've already proven your worth as the quarterback I mean, of the Bears? You just rolled your eyes a little bit, but uh, I, I figured I'm going to ask a question I know the answer I to, think, but I want to hear it. Yeah, I mind. mean, I think, you know, 
I've, I've shown a little bit, but I don't think I've shown uh, the world what I can do in terms of, you know, playing the full quarterback position and playing it consistently, you know. Mm -hmm. I think there were, you know, some times this year where, you know, I was better than others, you know, late, the like my last game of the season against the Lions, that that that, that wasn't a good game. So just being more consistent, you know, for my teammates, for my coaches, and, you know, f for the fan base. You have not heard from anyone in the Bears, this is our plan, we will keep you up to speed, we'll let you know if we have kids at the quarterback position to mm -hmm. come in and work out because I think they're going to have to do that, to be honest with you, to make yeah. sure that people think they could potentially replace you to get as much as they want for the first overall pick or just get a defender to go to battle on the other side of the ball for you. Yeah, I mean, Justin. not for sure. I, I, I haven't had those conversations. Okay. You know, I think they take a look at, you know, free agency first, and then I think, you know, now they're probably starting to prep for the draft stuff. So, uh, but I uh, haven't had, you know, conversations like that. Yeah. There we All right. <laughs> I'm fascinated by this. <laughs> Although you know what that sounded like to me and what it looked like to me, it, pro it probably that that his exit interview, leaving and getting ready for the off season probably sounded similar. They had probably cut ups of what they thought he needed to work on and what they thought where they thought he can improve, and they asked him, "Hey, Justin, what what do you think your shortcomings were in this season, and where you think you can get better?" And, and that's probably pretty much what came out. He knows, just like we know, we see the game just like he does, where he could get better. And he and he, he dotted it. He dotted the fucking eye. He knew exactly where he needs to get better. And I know for a fact that this guy is going, he's the kind of dude that can't stand losing. I know that about Justin Fields. He, he hates it. And he knows he wants to be the quarterback of this team. So whatever the shit that we criticize him about whatever we think about him trust me he's double hard on himself about it and he's gonna come back better i guarantee you that it's all those those nights of mowing the lawn in the dark it's made him who he is he's a he's a professional he's a leader or killing he, people he with kool-aid huh? <laughs> <laughs> killing people with kool-aid yeah. seriously i mean uh but, you know, Rich Eisen makes a really good point. And in order to drive up the value of the first overall pick, the Bears should make it seem that they're interested in some of the other quarterbacks. Right. Bring them in for a workout. And you know, they create this mystery. Yeah, if they didn't talk to him about that before all of that, then shame on them. So mm -hmm. he should be sitting there like, no, I mean, of course not. We didn't have that conversation. No, I mean, of course he should be saying that. Mm -hmm. But secretly, the Bears should have some interest in other teams having some thought, maybe, that they want to trade him. Man, I, I know Greg Gable said the opposite, but I think it's possible that there's something to that. Kill that shit. Man, listen, listen. There's one thing I know for certain. He, feel, he feels challenged. He feels challenged from... You can tell from that interview that from his exit interview with Poles, with Flutes and all his coaches, that he feels challenged. You came away with that. All that nonsense about him being traded. Man, stop that bullshit, man. Please. He's not, they're not trading him to no fucking body. They're probably they're, they're not gonna trade him, but you have to create the illusion. You have to do whatever is necessary to to uh uh, increase the value of the number one overall pick. So how do you do that? 
you start creating buzz. You start telling agents, yeah, we're looking him, right? at this guy. We're looking at that. This has nothing to do with Justin Fields and, and putting pressure on him. It has to do with increasing the value of the number one overall pick. You talk to agents. You talk to reporters. You create this subterfuge because, as Greg Gabriel says, this is the lying season. You create this subterfuge that – we are potentially looking at the kid from Ohio State, and, and we'll leave us. Wow, we love him, but you don't say that publicly. It's somebody else. A source tells me that the Bears are interested, and we'll leave us. So you, you create this, and all of a sudden, that number one draft pick, people are saying, holy fuck, they're thinking about taking our quarterback. And maybe you get you find a, a Ryan Pace-type sucker to, to trade you a, a bunch of stuff to well, – to, uh, <laughs> Uh, that's well, that's the plan here. They, they no, no. Yet have said that to him, and then they because they because of the because of the subterfuge, right? That they had they have to create it. They have to go. Listen, just don't buy into any Jordy of this. Is, Jordy is secretly he will not tell you, but I paid close attention to him. I kind of got a good feel for him. He really would like to see Will Levis. He ain't gonna fucking no. tell you that on on while we're live no. on the air. Yeah, you do, motherfucker. Yeah, you do. Oh, Stop. I see what you're doing here. You're Stop trying to call. You know you do. You know you do. No, I like Will Levis as being the top pick in the draft that's going to be a team's want to come up and get that guy that's going to create that that magical experience, that, that the trading down that we need. If, if Will Levis becomes the guy out of nowhere, that's going to create a – major opportunity for the bears. If we didn't have a quarterback, yes, he would be my quarterback in this draft. It would be Will Levis, but I'm don't give me that shit, bro. You know, I'm high on Justin Fields. Come on. Dan, Dan, Dan Aguirre, I haven't heard your opinion on this. I'd love to hear it. Well, obviously I want fields to, to be the quarterback, but I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that he is. I mean, did any of us think they were going to draft Trubisky? Things happen. And if you were going to move fields, this is the best time to do it in terms of his trade value probably being as high as it's ever going to be, uh, unless he becomes the guy we want him to become. And I'm not advocating moving him in any way, but if you're Ryan Poles, it's almost like when John Elway took over in Denver – Tim Tebow is, for whatever reason, beloved by that franchise at that the fan base at that time. Uh, he's like, "This is not the guy. This is not the guy. I've got to find a way to get away from him." So maybe in that scenario, it's equivalent or analogous that they say he's not the guy. The fans love him, but we've got to get away from him somehow. So maybe you do that. I, I hope that's not the case. That's so. Epic. After seeing uh, Jalen Hurts in the Super Bowl, wh- wh- who I who I personally think is a level below Justin Fields' ability, I think, and, and I've watched those two guys very carefully, I think he's a level below Justin Fields' ability. After watching the Super Bowl and what they put around Jalen Hurts, can you guys literally sit here and tell me that Justin Fields isn't the guy that can march us into that position? I thought the same thing the whole Super Bowl. Like Justin Fields is better than J- than Jalen Hurts in this position and this position. I don't not, think not, so. Next year, Jalen. I Hurts hope is so. Jalen Hurts has had a bunch of three hundred yard games, and Justin hasn't done that. 
with Jalen Hurts has won two playoff games. Justin everyone, Fields hasn't done that. Everyone, with, everyone with talks about offense. progression last year into this year, and now he's in the Super Bowl. And I think that that's where we're at with Justin Fields. Go ahead. Noah. I've got four Justin Fields jerseys. He's my guy. I'm just saying, yeah. uh, at this point, Hurts is a better quarterback. Okay. Oh, we're going to see. I love Fields. I mean, see, you I, know I hear, four jerseys? I, I, hear a whole, I hear a whole lot of hesitancy. That's what Does I anyone else have four Fields jerseys? Anybody? I no. don't. Okay. <laughs> That's I, my guy. How how much more can I say he's my guy? I have one thanks to you. <laughs> <laughs> but he's my guy, but I'm trying to be objective here. No, I, I, I just think it's a lot of hesitancy. That's all I know. From no, my I, perspective? Everybody. I would have resigned. I would have extended him in the twenty-two season. I would have said, "Look, the hell with this five-year, you know, fifth-year option. We're just going to give you an extension now." I would have extended him in twenty-two. That's how no, uh, how much I'm in. No man, you can't you can't mistake hesitancy for for constructive criticism. Though. No, I think not that what you I, might that's be not what I'm doing. Being there, that's not what I'm doing, sir. Loin. I'm actually listening to what you're saying. And what you would prefer is a quarterback that stands in the pockets and, and really delivers in the pocket and is a, is, a, is, a, is a guy of that ilk. That's what you would prefer. So it just so happens that we have Justin Fields with the flaws that he has. Now, that's given that he's in a brand-new offense with a basically a patched-up offensive line. We're judging him. I, I just don't think it's quite fair. And I think he just needs time for everybody to have their full and complete judgment of him before we run to the line and say, hey, hey, look at me. I got a flag up. We need another quarterback. I think that's bullshit. We haven't given him – he hasn't had the, the right opportunity to show what he, he really has. And I, I think just you know that's putting, in front of him. I think you are putting words in my mouth that are not true. I, I, I got to I got to defend Dan on this one because I've spoken to Dan, you know, off air numerous times, and he and I both have said that, you know, if we're both gay for Fields. If you want to be honest, I'm joking. I'm, but the point is, he's always put over Fields and thought like he's like, oh, Fields is our guy. I've never heard him say that to the contrary at all. For real, I'm not putting. Yeah. I'm not just saying that. I've never heard him say we should move on from Fields. Never. I think you're just putting words in my mouth that are just based on constructive criticism. No, I don't want a Peyton Manning tree trunk stand in the in the backfield and just or stand back there and throw the, the ball. I love what Justin Fields has to offer for the game, but my my own concern comes from everybody else's. We don't want to see him run so much that he gets injured, and he the chance of 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 him being our savior is destroyed. So yes, if, I do. If you want... were back there, shorty. wait. Can I finish? Hold on a second. My bad. My bad. Go ahead, bro. If we could just sit him. If we can get him to a point where he is able to stand in the pocket more and not have to run for his life out of instinct, and he can deliver the ball from the pocket, obviously, that's going to be the key. Can he improvise when things break down like you see Mahomes do where he, where he moves around and the pocket kind of moves around him? That Same thing with fucking Aaron Rodgers all the time? Yes, that would be amazing to see that. But we do, we do need to constructively see more from the passing game. Is it on him? No. Is it all on him, I should say? No. 
There's a lot. It's a team game. So that's my only concern. It's just constructive criticism. Don't. If, if you were standing behind a line. Justin well, Fields, you know, hater. Oh, man. You don't know who your center is going to be this week. You don't know who your right guard is going to be. You don't know who your right tackle is going to be. You don't know who your left guard is going to be. In and out in all of those positions, in and out, guys just moving around. How comfortable are you back there? Really? Exactly. I mean, unless I unless you unless you know what that feels like, you you, you don't really have a, a, a platform to stand on when it comes to judgment of him. You're not standing back there. None of us are standing back there. You don't know not. what it feels like to be in a position to play that game, not knowing how secure you are in that pocket. And we want to judge him on whether or not he stands there and delivers a ball. His is probably his first instinct. I don't know. Mine would be would be flight. A fucking you, run. If you see something and you sense something that you don't like, I know. Run. That's Use what insane. you're gifted at doing and run. That's not always going to be the case. I'm pretty sure things are going to be different moving forward. But when you judge him, keep that context in mind. That's all I got to say about it. And I'm not judging him. Next season, I think he is going to just blow up even more than I thought he was this season. And I was wrong about it. I I predicted it. Listen, we both predicted 11 and 6 this year. It was based on our own thoughts of Justin Fields. No, don't pull me into that. Come on. Come on. (laughs) We both did. We were saying it on BCP from the beginning. He had had a mismatch offensive line, man. And that's just all it was. Our thoughts on that came from from where we thought Justin Fields was going to blow up and lead this team. It didn't happen because of the team around him, not because of him. So moving forward, of course, I'm – Still a thousand percent on board. I mean, the guy broke the fucking rushing record for the Bears three times over and the NFL. So why would I be down on on him? I just want to see a little more from the the rest of the team around him that allows him to develop that passing game. Maybe actually I should say it that way. He needs more around him for him to develop the passing game. Is that better? You guys were on PCP together. Can we fucking hug? <laughs> Hey, hey, after after the show, we, we have each other to death every night. <laughs> All right, I want to move to my favorite part of the interview. This is when Rich Eisen is a graduate of the University of Michigan, and so they started talking about Michigan, and of course, Fields being from Ohio State. Uh, it got really interesting. Oh, that, the team up north. The team up. The team up north. We, wow. we don't even say the name. Like, we don't. And so what's that, the name of the state when you said you took on the line? The what's state the name of north. The state. Of <laughs> I mean, in total honesty, I feel so weird like saying the 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 name of that state just because it's like instilled in me. Like I'm telling you, when you're at Ohio State and it's that week to play them, you got their jerseys on the ground. You're walking over their jerseys. You put their uh, logo in the toilets. You're peeing on the logo. Like they don't play any games and they prepare for that game 365 days of the year. So that just shows you how serious. Well. Gotta love the guy. Gotta love the guy. I mean, I don't see anybody nervous there. I don't see anybody uh, hesitating there. He's having uh, fun. He's confident. Uh, He's so relaxed. We're we're learning more and more about his real personality. Um, I love the guy, and um, I I wish him nothing but well. And, and again, the Bears have all the resources now to at least put a – 
viable football team around him. So as you guys have been saying, year three is the big year, just like it was for Jalen Hurts. And he came through. Now it's Justin Fields' uh, turn to come through. And if not, then get the fuck out of here, Justin. He, he, wasn't, on, he wasn't on PCP there. <laughs> no, he wasn't. I, I, I said PCP? Did I say PCP? <laughs> What are you asking? What are you questioning? <laughs> they had the right. logos in the toilet, man. The, the Packer logos in the toilet. That's hardcore shit. Right no man and I were on PCP. <laughs> See, well, and that's the thing. I would love for him and the rest of the Bears to develop that same attitude towards the Packers and the other teams in the NFC North as, as Ohio State has towards Michigan. So hopefully that will develop and, uh, and Fields can lead that. Uh, that type of mentality. Yeah. Hey, uh, let's change subjects here. And I, I, I'd love to ask Dan this. And Dan, I, I apologize. I'm putting you on the spot here. But if if you had an opportunity to talk to the Hall, Pro Football Hall of Fame committee to nominate uh, Devin Hester for the Pro Football Hall of Fame, what would you say that get them to, con to convince them that he deserves a place in next year's, because obviously he didn't make it this year, in next year's Hall of Fame, what would you say? There have been 57 Super Bowls, right? Mm -hmm. One has started with a kickoff return for a touchdown. One. Super Bowl 41, number 23, Devin Hester. And the guy, his first game against Green Bay, opening day, 2006, taking a kick to the house, which I believe was a punt in, back in 06, and? But he's right from the jump, from this first game on, he was changing the way the position was played in the special teams in terms of, I mean, other than Dion at that point, or maybe to a certain extent, you go back to like Billy White Shoes Johnson. You know, there have been players at Eric Metcalf that have made a splash, but not to where the whole damn team is like, you can't kick to him. Like, he was... I mentioned we've talked about Ray Guy before when people say you can't put a punter in the in the NFL Hall of Fame. And Ray Guy got put in after a while because the consensus was from all the people that watched him that he was the best punter that anyone had ever seen. And because even though he was a punter, he deserved to be in because he was the best. Devin was the best, not just of his era, but of all time, of a kick returner and a punt returner. And his numbers are actually skewed down a little bit because the Bears took him from corner and tried to force him in. At first, he was a third or fourth receiver, and then they tried to make him the number one when Bernard Berrien was sent to Minnesota, which was a huge mistake. So they kind of stunted his growth for a little bit. He had oh, oh, uh, 2008 and nine. he didn't even have a kick return for a touchdown or a punt return. In spite of all this, his stats are still where they are. From bad coaching to just pure talent, he was the best at his position. Unequivocally, he was the best at his position. And he should have gotten in not just this year, he should have gotten in last year. I think, I think Dan answered my retort because my question was going to be, and Dan, correct, correct me, and fill in the blanks, has there ever been a special teams guy, a kicker or anybody like that, that made it his first or second? or maybe even his third ballot, a special teams guy exclusively? Never. Probably not. Is Brian Mitchell in? 
I think That's Brian Mitchell is because he he held the record, right? Yeah, for years Brian Mitchell was all special teams. I mean, and that was kind of it. Even so, I viewed Dion as before Hester. I viewed Dion as the best punt returner I'd ever seen. Well, he's he's a defensive back as well. I'm talking about exclusively a special teams player. You said Ray Guy, who's considered yeah. the greatest of all, right? As a punter, did he get in? Much, much later. Talking about Raymond Guy played from like 73 to probably 85 or 6, and he didn't get in until the 2000s. He was one of the gentlemen, just like uh, uh, Eric Coriel, who just got in this year, and, and unfortunately he's dead. Same thing with Cliff Branch and Ken Stabler. A lot of these guys get put in after they're already gone, which is so unfortunate. There's the Arizona game right there, week 6, 06. What a moment. Mike Tirico on the call. Uh, with with the punter to beat, he beat him. Touchdown. You know what? Devin I, trust, I trust Dan's understanding and and knowledge of who 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 is what when it comes to the special teams guy being put in the Hall of Fame. Now, if there was ever to be a precedent for a guy to make the Hall of Fame on his special teams accolades alone, I don't think there's any other guy worthy than more worthy than Devin Hester. I, I just don't. I don't know a guy, not a kicker, not a kick returner, not a punter, not a nothing that didn't warrant this precedent. I think he was robbed twice. I don't yeah. give a fuck what nobody says. I agree. And I think he's going to be robbed three times and however many times it takes him for, to get to the final ballot decision. And then they're going to go, Okay, we'll let him in because he was a special teams player. He deserves to be a first ballot Hall of Famer because of the simple fact of they changed the game because of him, period. They changed the game. There could possibly never be another kicker. It would have to be such an electric kick returner slash putt. Well, putt returner different, but it would have to be such an electric kickoff returner to return kicks from, you know, the five-yard line every time with everyone barreling down on them, that it's, 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 it most likely will not ever happen again. So that, in my mind, makes him a first-team Hall of uh, – a first-team ballot Hall of Famer. However, my opinion is I believe the NFL is going to keep fucking pushing this until it gets to his final ballot decision. And then they're going to go, okay, we'll put him in because he did change the game. One of my because favorite Hester moments ever was the Bears drafted this fucking guy from West Virginia University is the second round pick in 1995, Todd Sauerbrunn, because he had a 97-yard punt at WVU. So Wanstead had in his mind the coffin corner at Soldier Field. We're going to have field position. I understand the thinking, but Sauerbrunn was a – unequivocal bust with the bears. It was terrible, but somehow he managed to stay in the league for years and years and years and come 2007. He's in Denver. Actually, Jay Cutler is the quarterback of the Broncos in this game and uh, comes to soldier field to play the bears. And in that week, Todd Sauerbrunn said something in the paper uh, to the dude that's all uh, Woody page. I think on around the horn in the paper that uh, the Denver post that he wasn't afraid of Devin. He was just going to kick to him. And on back-to-back -back punts, 
in the third period of that game, Devin Huster took it back to the house. And on one of them, he actually leaped over Sauerbrunn. And like Greg Gumble was on the call. He was like, this is, un- this is unbelievable. That was his call. It was fantastic. To That's shut awesome. this guy up who was running his mouth. Oh, we'll kick to him. Yeah, I don't understand why someone like Hester doesn't have Dan Pompey advocating for him when, in my opinion, Agreed. and this is just my opinion, Devin Hester deserves to be a first ballot Hall of Famer like 10 to 1 over Brian Urlacher. Listen, Maybe guys, this is 100 to 1. Hold on, hold on, is, hold on. Just one second. Give me, give me one second, man. I, I do believe, and I believe with this 100%, I do believe Devin Hester was measured by precedent that had nothing to do with him. And I think the NFL missed an opportunity to set another precedent by measuring everything up against him. He was was measured up against special teams guys, kickers, punters, and all that kind of stuff. And when they got into the Hall of Fame and they had an opportunity, he was a a trendsetter, a tone setter. He should have set a precedent by when he got into the Hall of Fame. And all the other special teams players need to measure up to uh, Devin Hester. Kick returners, pump returners. They missed an opportunity by not putting him in in that first ballot. I, w- I, w- I will live with that. I agree. They missed an opportunity to set a precedent. I agree. I mean, this is the Super Bowl. And he returns the opening kickoff for, for a touchdown when – Indianapolis, ninety-two yards. They're 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 going off saying that on record that they did not want to kick the ball to him at all, and they decided, okay, well, we'll just give the opening kickoff because we're we're not going to give that kickoff up, right? They thought that okay, we'll just see what happens, and then he kick he he returns it for a touchdown. That right there, in in when you watch the 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 Super Bowl ver, you know the NFL Super Bowl version of that episode, and everyone's talking about how, well, we were we didn't want to kick off to he- Jeff, Devin Hester, but we decided to at the very last second. And everyone was like, oh, what are we doing? And then it backfired on them. And then they didn't kick to him. The re- if they would have kicked to that guy one more time, game over. But they didn't, and they knew it. That enough makes him a Hall of Famer, period. I think I think all those got something to say here. I mean, we, we didn't talk our ass off. No, you guys are covering it really, really well. Uh, and, you know, it's I'm, I'm flabbergasted that he was not a first ballot Hall of Famer. I think that, you know, all these Hall of Fame committees, they all have issues, you know, and baseball is probably the worst. You got these old timers who have their own old antiquated ways of looking at things. But it, And you got to have such a huge percentage of the vote just to yeah. make it. Exactly. And and it looks like there's, uh, according to Greg Gabriel, he says that there's a faction of the Hall of Fame uh, committee that is not in favor of special teams players making it uh, into the Hall. They, they're looked at as uh, like a second class citizens. And that's fucking ridiculous. Special teams is a huge part of the game. It starts the game every game. You've got to uh, game plan against really good special teams players whether they're the kick returner or not if they're a gunner you got a special you got a, uh, a game plan for them you got a great punter a great field goal kicker you got a game plan for them you know in terms of field position and so forth and you know, when it comes down to Devin Hester fuck man the guy was just unfucking believable and anyone that did not have him on the ballot and apparently I think that 
there were a number of guys that didn't even have him on the fucking ballot. That's that's sacrilege. That's football sacrilege. They're, they're hey, going to put Adam Vinatieri in. You watch in just a couple of years. And Devin Hester, granted, he wasn't kicking the Super Bowl victory with the winning kick like Adam did, but still, this guy wasn't just uh, we we say a special team player. He changed the game, as as Dan said it a moment ago. But not only did he change the game, he was from anyone's perspective that unless you were like a Green Bay fan or something, the best to do it. I mean, there's a consensus, I would think, with people that have been watching football at least 20 years or so or longer that would say he was the best at his position ever. Mm -hmm. So when you can say that about somebody, that's got to mean something like the best at his job ever. I mean, what did Brian Urlacher do in comparison other than having a great advocate for some reason in Pompeii to put him in? Because, you know, in baseball they always have like, well, we don't like Barry because he – he had a bad attitude. We didn't like. We don't like Barry Bonds. We're not putting him in. And then you know they say things like he was on steroids, which, which was not proven, by the way, not a fact. But they just don't like him. But Erlacher, as documented by so many other things, was an asshole off the field too. But somehow has a guy who's just fighting for him every step of the way. When that guy should be advocating for Devin Hester. There, there, are, there are certain benchmarks in the history of this game in the history of every game, but in this game in particular, benchmarks uh, may may end up being incidents. Benchmarks may end up being people and what they did to alter the game, maybe, that changed the game or, or brought highlight to the game. And there are several benchmarks in this league. You know, you got your Walter Paytons, you got your Gale Sayers, you got your Barry Sanders, you got your Jerry Rice. You got all these people. I would absolutely say that Devin Hester was a benchmark in this game. And he altered the kick return game forever. For that reason, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer in my heart and my mind. So there's there's nothing they can they can't slight Devin Hester in my heart and my mind. They and the fact that they've changed They've changed where the kickoffs are. They moved up the yardage. So there's never going to be a guy that makes that kind of impact again because predominantly now it's a touchback game. They don't want you to have kickoffs because of the propensity of the special teams guys up front to sustain concussions. Right. So they don't want – they took away the wedge. And, you know, so they don't want the guys getting their ass kicked up front like that. So having said that, there's not going to be another Devin Hester. Now, you may get someone that's vol just killing it on punt returns. That's a possibility. But when you combine the kickoffs and the punt returns, I mean, like even look, look at Cordero Patterson, who is explosive for the Bears and has been everywhere he's gone. He's a kick return guy. He's not a punt return guy. Not everyone can do both sides of that. Brian Mitchell could do that. I know Dion did punts, but he would have been fine doing kickoffs. So let's be honest. But but, that's but, not Think about for the Hall of Fame, Dan. Hey, hey you know, a guy told me uh, I got I, I got in a fight with a guy because he told me Tony Romo was a Hall of Famer. What you think about that? I, I think Romo was an above average quarterback, considering he was from a smaller school. He exceeded expectations. What was he a third or fourth round pick? Do I think he's a Hall of Famer? Absolutely, unequivocally, no. 
undrafted <laughs> free agent, Dan. Oh, okay. Romeo. <laughs> yeah, I just I mean he he did he play well records for Dallas all over the place. He broke Troy Aikman's records all over the place. But, but like, by the time Romo's playing, it's a different game. Aikman wasn't throwing the ball. They weren't in shotguns on third and fourth and one when Troy played. And I'm not a Troy fan at all. And Troy had Emmett and uh, Troy, if they would have been in an offense, I'm not an Aikman fan on the broadcast or in the game. But if Aikman had been in an offense that was throwing the ball like they do today, his stats would have been through the roof. The guy had it. He had it. There's no doubting that. He won three championships and he was on a stacked team. But still, Aikman, I don't like him, but he would have had much better stats if he'd have been in a passing era. I mean, he had Michael Irvin, but they were running the rock, man. I mean, they Emmett was running the damn ball. Come on, they, even Moose Johnston has some carries. So, man, Tony Romeo, though, come on, man. Tony no, no, Romeo. no. Romo, that's what I'm saying. Romo's stats may have exceeded Aikman at some point because it's a different era. That's my point. Romo, uh, Romo was a fine player. He was good, but he was not a Hall of Famer, in my opinion. And I know a lot of Bear fans get mad at me. I don't think Urlacher's a Hall of Famer. I don't. If, if I- if I can just interject on your thought, Nomad, um, do I think that Romo is deserving of the Hall of Fame? No. But if you look at his numbers for Dallas quarterbacks, when Dallas is such a loved, you know, the, 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 the nation's team, what, you, you, you can make an argument that he should be. You don't be, measure shit off of that, man. But we're talking about current stats as opposed to those yeah, but there's more than stats. I mean, if you wanted to go by stats, is Dak a quarterback that's going to make the Hall of Fame? No, but Dak's got good stats. So, I no, I mean, you, there's more to, to the game than stats. And Romo nor Dak are ever going to tie Troy's Super Bowls. They're so not going to have three Super Bowls. Makes Hall of Famer. A- this is how many playoff wins uh, Tony Romo has. Exactly, and so don't forget, don't forget, they lost the one playoff game when he dropped the uh, the 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 ball there. Yeah, so he dropped the ball in Seattle. And again, I'm not hating on Romo. Romo was, uh, if we'd have had Romo, you know, in like 2007 or eight, maybe the Bears go back to the Super Bowl. You know, so I mean, I'm not saying Romo sucked. He's just not a Hall of Famer. That's all. I mean, the Hall of Famer is supposed to be the best of the best, and Devin Hester was the best at his position. Therefore, he should be in there. And Devin's the best at it. If you talk about 70s returners, 80s returners, 90s returners, or 2000s, he's the best at any era. Okay, they so should have think- a uh, – sorry, real quick. They should have a section in the Hall of Fame uh, c- could have been a Hall of Famer, but fucked up or some shit like that. <laughs> you think Tony Romo put him on the Bears? Would he, he should be a Hall of Famer because of his stats? No. There's more I mean, to life than stats. I mean, stats, like, you know, stats are great, but you've got to have stats and wins and, and maybe not even championships because, you know, Marino went to Super Bowl 19. He didn't get a Super Bowl. Dan Fouts never won a Super Bowl, but also Fouts, in his case, was throwing for 5,000 yards when people were barely throwing for 3,000. So, uh, and he would. Fucking Tony Romo's dick right now with his stats as a Bears quarterback, especially with him succeeding in the NFL as a fucking broadcaster. We'd, we'd all be like, Tony Romo's our guy. He should be in the Hall of Fame. I, I just don't see that. Look, I loved Rex. 
I love Jim McMahon, but I don't think McMahon's a Hall of Famer. And McMahon was my my fucking radio names after Jim McMahon here at home. I've got Jim was my Jim was my my. I cried when he was traded, but I don't think Jim's a Hall of Famer, even though I think he was the best quarterback the Bears ever had. Romo should be in the Hall of Fame by as much as Cutler. And I love Jay too. Fucking love Jay Cutler. I don't care if he's a Republican and hates me. I love Jay Cutler. What do you think about what Charles is saying here? Uh, Briggs, Tillman, McMichael should all be in over. Mongo for sure. Mongo, because Mongo's stats alone exceed most people that are in his position above him. Do I, I love Charles Tillman. Lance Briggs, I think, is going to be hurt by the last couple of years that he just was kind of just there and not giving a shit, a little bit heavier, and just, oh, Brian's not here anymore. Lovey's not here anymore. Let me go open a fucking restaurant. Charles. And not really try anymore. And then when they activated him, because back then you could activate one person from the IR, just one, and they activated Lance, and he's like, oh, I really wasn't training. I didn't think they were going to bring me back. And it's just like, what what kind of dedication does he have now? Those last two years on the Trustman are going to hurt Lance, and I think keep him out. Uh, Mongo should be in, not because he has ALS, his own stats. Otis Wilson probably too, but... Hester, again, it's a different comparison, but I would say Mongo I would want in over Hester just because Mongo's stats and his his impact. But you can have two independent thoughts at the same time. Mongo and Hester both deserve it. Ahead of, Peanut's going to be bought. Like To me, people are going to look at Steve Smith in the playoff game getting like 240 yards on Peanut. And I'm sorry, that's going to matter. I mean, Steve Smith ate him alive in that playoff game in January of 06. Yeah. And, and, and then what, what did Peanut do after that? I loved him. I loved him. But, yeah, he did get to one Super Bowl. But, his again, on the biggest stage, he's eaten alive by Steve Smith. So I think that's going to hurt him. About changing the game, Dan, like, you are, like we are with Hester. He, in a way, changed the game with that Peanut punch. They're still talking about it today. They're still using it in their – defensive practices so that that would be another reason why i would say tillman should be in the hall of fame Maybe when did not you a- start hearing about the peanut punch it was in 2012 peanut was started with the bears in 03 that's not like some signature thing he had the whole time uh and look i love charles tillman i don't want to make a case for him not to make the hall but i don't i think again just look at that steve smith matchup and he was eaten alive i think that's going to hurt him and I think Briggs taking off two years and not really giving a shit is going to hurt him. But I think Mongo and Hester should make it. I'm afraid Mongo will make it now for the wrong reasons because people will feel sorry for him because of his ALS and say, oh, he only weighs 105 pounds now, and that's terrible. But he made it on his own merit. He deserved it, but since, despite being sick, in my opinion. Since it's Valentine's Day, I will, I will frame this this way. All those guys versus Devin Hester – and his impact on a game, it's like a teeny weeny next to a, a shalom, and you and you're wondering why your girl likes this dude more than you. And you're wondering. I buy you everything. <laughs> I take care of you. I pay your bills. Ten sacks a year is a defensive tackle, though. I mean, we would like we would calm our pants if we could see one sack from a defensive tackle now. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> She's going right. to always come to Devin, man. I guarantee you. Because he's playing. <laughs> Devin's well, Hall of Famer, period, man. Let's not make him the last ballot Hall of Famer. Come on. Well, I just put Hester over, so it's not like I'm like against Hester. I'm just saying Mongo deserves it too here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. When your girl come home with hickeys on her neck, she was probably at Devon crib. <laughs> she was out to four in the morning. <laughs> Where you get that hickey at? Oh, I just oh, I just lean up against the bar wrong and it does, I just bumped myself. No. Here's a question for Aldo. She was at Devin Hester's house. <laughs> Aldo, do you think and this is my theory. I want to see what you think. Do you think there's a chance because the Bears only did win one Super Bowl that that's why they don't put more people in that probably may, deserve to make it such as, as Mongo? They're like, well, they only won one, so they, they've already got Singletary, and they've got Peyton, they've got Dent, they've got Hampton. How many Hall of Famers from a team that only just won one championship can go in? Nope, I disagree. Yeah, I, I don't think that's the case. I I. I do think that there's just been a lot of really good talent and the Hall of Fame committee is is just reluctant to put in a lot of people at the same time. And so it's more the system. It's more the committee uh, than it is anything about the Bears and how many players they have in historically, how many players. Uh, I, 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 I'm not buying that. I could be wrong, but I, I, I don't think so. Mr. Shorty, you agree with me, right? I was going to say what you just said. Well, I, I think it's, well, counteractive to what you said. I think it's because they have so many Hall of Famers. They're like, well, we can't just keep putting Chicago Bears in the Hall of Fame. It's going to overpopulate the Hall of Fame with Chicago Bears. But I know that's bullshit. It's just my own, you know, augmented Bears fan reality. That's all. Well, Wilbur Marshall should be in from his, his days with the Bears and Washington, for that matter. And at the okay. time, was the highest paid defensive player ever when he signed with the Skins. And and obviously Mongo should be in, and you might even say Fensick deserves to be in. Mm -hmm. I mean, Definitely. yeah. So there, there's other guys on the team that should be there, and I Otis Wilson, man, Otis is like to me, Otis is more uh, deserving than Briggs, and I I love Lance, I love Lance Briggs. He's great on TV as well. I think I know a lot of people I don't, don't like him. I like Alex Brown and Lance Briggs on TV. I don't believe Hilgenberg is a Hall of Famer, is he? Yeah, he made it, right? Didn't Hilgenberg and Covert both make it? Covert did. Hilgenberg did not. Okay. We can make an argument for Hilgenberg. True. Every former great bear doesn't deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. Exactly. But, but statistically, Wilbur and Mongo's stats are better than most people that are in at their position. Devin is a first ballot. Some of these other guys, man, are they, they're questionable. You can measure up stats. You can measure up performance. You can do all of that stuff I just said. But at the end of the day, Devin Hester was a benchmark in the history of the NFL. Those other guys, they had really good careers, borderline great. And they, were, and they were historic for us. Do they deserve – do they have the credence to be in the Hall of Fame? Yes. I don't think so. I don't. I don't. I'm going to pull the table. If you change the fucking game, you belong in the Hall of Fame. Oh, that rhymed too. Damn. <laughs> All right, final topic before we get out of here. Uh, it's Valentine's Day, so I wanted to get, kind of get your guys' take on what do you do to romance a woman? What do you do? I mean, this is supposed to be one of the most romantic days of the year. You're 
many women look forward to it. I'm finally going to get my man's attention. Clearly, all of us guys in the chat room and working on this show weren't listening to our women because we're not with them now. We're here talking football and having some fun. But, uh, Nomad, let me start with you. Uh, you got a girlfriend. What do you do to romance her? You buy her flowers, candy, or you just uh, say, hey, baby, here it is. Let's go to work. <laughs> the first thing I would tell you is what you don't do. Don't ever get her a kitchen appliance. <laughs> Don't ever fucking do that. What, what you could do is we we suck as men. I'm just gonna tell you right now. As and I'm gonna talk to us. I'm gonna talk to everybody in the chat, and I'm gonna talk to us as a brotherhood of men that need to get better. We are some fucking heathens, and, and we think in a fucking singular way. Oh God, do we ever? And we think even the gifts that we buy our, our, our women, we think what we can get out of it. You know what I mean? It, whatever it is, you think you think that way. You know, okay, I, I'll get it. And I actually bought my, my girlfriend a new wave oven one year for Valentine's Day. A new wave oven when that shit came out. And she was hot. And when I say hot, I couldn't even approach that motherfucker for the next three days. I couldn't say <laughs> shit to her. But the stupid shit that we do as men not appreciating <laughs> our women and all the shit they do throughout a year. And I, and before I finish this, granted, women have too many fucking days that we have to pay for. Valentine's Day, Christmas, birthdays, fucking oh, it's, too, it's too many fucking days where you gotta spend on women. I hate it. But well, All of those days that you mentioned with the exception of Valentine's Day are days that you get presents too right no i don't i don't know what the fuck going on at your house <laughs> shit. you don't get a christmas present you don't get a birthday present yeah i might get a pair of underwear <laughs> a pack of drawers some socks a bullshit ass tie something bullshit <laughs> hey can i, I say something before i go please yeah, please Mongo had 95 sacks in his career, 95. He had 847 tackles, and he had 17 fumble recoveries. Oh, and this man. is a defensive tackle who had 95 sacks in his career playing defensive tackle. That guy's oh. not worthy of the Hall of Fame? Then then I don't know shit about football. Then. Hall of Fame. But Dan Aguilar, got to get your take on romancing a woman. What is it that you do? You get laid probably. I listen to women. I listen to women. I understand when, I mean, not, I don't understand every woman. Don't get me wrong. There's certain styles of women that I just like the women that are extremely like confrontational and things like that. I don't, uh, you know, get along with, but for the most part, women look, I'm not Brad Pitt. I'm not Zach Efron, but I've been able to get asked consistently my whole life. And that's because I talk to women. I know how to talk to them. I listen to them. I can get, I can talk their pain. I can talk their draws off. How about that? What about but it's you? not disingenuous, and they know that, and that's that's why I've been successful. Then they see that six foot five guy talking their their draws off, and they're like, "This guy's got a big dick." <laughs> I mean, I'm okay there. It's not. I mean, I'm not like gonna be like, "Oh, look at me, I'm Tommy Lee." But I mean, I'm I'm all right, you know. It's okay. But if you whipped it out, you'd be bigger than Nomad. <laughs> I was told recently by a woman that I had the biggest white penis she had ever seen. 
So I'll take that one. Okay. See, that's what I'm saying. What's your but that's, not, that's probably doesn't mean a lot. That's like amongst kids with Down syndrome, you're the one that looks <laughs> the, like the least Down syndrome, which is no disrespect to anyone that has special needs children. I'm just saying that there's a look, you know, when I'm, you know the cliche. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Mr. Other Dan? But I got to go, gentlemen. You all be well. All right, brother. See you, buddy. Wait, what was the question? What about me? What do you do to romance Kitty? Oh, your, your oh yes. Wife? I actually had this conversation with her earlier today just to find out. <laughs> 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 and uh, the best thing that like, if, 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 if we get into a fight, right? And we're just not, if we don't even talk, like one of those fights where you don't talk for a day or two. I mean, two might be a lot, but like a day, you know, you do go all, you go all day. You're like, you just ignore each other. Mm -hmm. If I just go out and get a bag of potato chips and some chocolates of any manner, I'm getting laid that night. It, do it doesn't matter. It's just, she just loves just a simple bag of potato chips. She doesn't eat them all the time. It's not like she's a potato chip hoarder. She loves potatoes, but she does like potato chips. And it's like a it's like a simple. She's very simple, a very simple gift of potato chips and some chocolate, maybe even like a simple rose. That would be enough. Or like I could just go over and just massage her feet out of nowhere and that'll make her day. So like we're we're, we're very simple people as far as, you know, like we don't we celebrated um valentine's day on our first date and what we did was we went to a a wine making event where you know there was 25 30 other couples and we all had our own table and we all made our own wine together and the place took it and they bottled it they put it in the into the uh, the jugs for us and stored it and then we had to go back to the place like a couple of months later and then bottle the wine we had to save all these wine bottles right and then go back and have and, and take all the saved wine bottles that we um, made sanitary and then bring them to the to this place. And then we filled them and then corked them there, put on our own label. And her name is Renee and my name is Dan. And we called it Dan A. And so we had like 30 bottles of this like Dan A wine. And it was a, a Pinot Noir, I think, from like Brazil. And we have nice. one bottle left now. We're going to celebrate on our 10th anniversary this coming March 15th. It's going to be our final bottle. So that was our one thing that we chose to do for Valentine's Day because we both knew that we didn't want to celebrate it because it was just a, a, a Hallmark holiday. But we did the one thing in the, in the beginning of our relationship that now has lasted 10 years into our 10-year anniversary. So it's kind of cool. Hey, hey, Aldo, really, really fast. I know you got, you, you got to do you. But just just to the guys out here that's listening to me and listening to all of us, here's what I've learned. I, I was just bullshitting that first go around. No, no, nah, really wasn't. But listen, you know what girls, women really, really love? They love support. They love support more than any fucking thing in the world. They don't want to be smothered. They just want support. You don't have to be around them 24-7 to support them. You just... Just be there when they need you. Mm -hmm. Be there when they fucking need you. And if you do that through the year, Valentine's Day is insignificant. Exactly. 
Well said, my friend. What about what Foster says? You're driving by the ankles, flip them, and pound them into the plaster. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole other thing. <laughs> you animal, Foster. <laughs> hey, you, better, hey, you better slaying some sausage, goddammit, or she wouldn't eat it. <laughs> better be slaying that wood. I really have nothing else to uh, offer on this topic. <laughs> hey, uh, final topic of the night. Fucking aliens! What the, what the hell's going on? We're shooting down aliens now. What what what's happening now? There's been a number of unidentified flying objects that the United States government has had to shoot down, and they're searching through the wreckage to find out what exactly these objects were. We know about the Chinese balloon. We know that was a uh, uh, surveillance gathering tool by the Chinese. And now, since then, the United States government has made some readjustments on their filters, and now they've discovered multiple flying, unidentified flying objects that have been quickly shot down. One was about the size of an automobile, was had a, a cylinder-type shape, uh, and a couple of more were, were similarly shaped, but they, we still have not been told whether they're aliens, whether they're surveillance devices, or what they have, and we may never know because there have been uh, stories about, you know, the government keeping uh, extraterrestrial life secret from us because they don't want panic uh, on Earth. So uh, what are your guys' theories? I know, Mr. Shorty, you've uh, you've actually had some experience with uh, uh, extraterrestrials. Do you want me to go first or last? No, you go first, man. Uh, okay. So a couple of years ago, my very one of my very best friends, I've known him since high school, he said he was in a plane and mm -hmm. He was flying and he looked out his window and he saw a, a chrome cylindrical object and he was looking at it out of his window and he was like, what in the fuck is that? And the person sitting in front of him was, was looking out his window too. And he was like, he heard him and he was like, I see that too. So they started talking about it and they were in the plane. They see this like chrome cylindrical object just going side by side with them on the plane two people him and the person in front of him saw it that was the first thing that like really made me believe that uh this was a, a reality until and because that was my best friend like telling me that and not only that but somebody in front of him agreed they both saw it but then kitty and i my wife and i both we, we were camping in north georgia and in the mountains and it was on a river and it was uh georgia pines on both sides so there was an opening in the sky you could barely there was maybe like you know the clearing was just enough that you could see from like from here to there right other than that pines on both sides and we're sitting out there having a fire one night and we look up and we see this little light coming out from over the trees and it starts to get above us and then we're, we're watching it and it's it was like if you took an ember out of the fire an orange ember about the size of a dime and you held it up as far as you could hold your hand up and about it was about that size in the sky and it was moving across right above us like this about the pace of a helicopter with no sound and it was just glowing orange circle. 
-hmm. And so I, start, I started recording this thing when it was about halfway above us. And then it kept going and kept going. And this was 945 on a Friday night, April like 9th, okay, on 2020. And then I see this thing go into the tree line and it disappears. And I'm recording it. I, I started recording it. It was right up above us. And then it gets beyond the tree line. I stopped the recording. We all know what happens when you stop a recording, right? It stops. Yeah. Right. I pressed stop on the recording. The screen stopped. It went blank. And then a flash appeared. And then there was an image beyond the recording. So then I zoomed into it. And I zoomed into I'm getting somewhere with this, guys. I zoomed into it. I zoomed into it. Um, let me show you this. You're scaring uh, me. You're really full screen. <laughs> let me let, wait. Let me, let me present the screen you here. Me fucking shook. <laughs> Look at this. No, I'm about to. I'm about to get you even more. Okay. So after I paused, I I, I took that image. I I I zoomed into. I zoomed into. I zoomed into it. I, I don't know, Eldo. How do you zoom in on a Mac? Is it like can like Alt Plus or something? Can I zoom in on this? Uh, I'm not sure. I think it's uh, well. I don't know. I know how to zoom in. It's uh, Option Command and then the plus sign. That looks option. like a shit screen. I'm on a fucking Windows. Never mind. But you can see there's a wormhole right there. Do you do you guys see that like cylindrical wormhole right there? Uh -huh. That's what appeared on my screen after I pr I stopped the record button. Okay, it gets better. So the next night it came back. So this was 945 on Friday night, like April 9th, I think. It came back the next stop laughing. This is this is good. It came back the next night at 955. Okay. And and, it, and I saw it get above us and I started recording it again. And I was like, holy shit, I can't believe this is coming. We're both like, holy shit, this, it's it's back again. And then it disappeared. It came back another a third time. Two times the next night, it came back again. Ten minutes later, at like ten oh five, and then it, I, I was actually because I had my phone out and I was recording it, and I, I was like, "Oh shit, it's gone." I still had my phone out. It came back again, and I was, I started to record it coming from over the the tree line. So I was recording it the entire way. Okay, then this thing got right above us, and it started to create a. This is a, a completely clear night. With stars, we're looking at the stars, both nights. Hold on, man, so, put that shit stain back up there. <laughs> let, me, let me let me put the shit stain back up there. There you go. That's, that's the shit stain wormhole that it made. Okay. So wait. It's about to get better, guys. Stop I, laughing. I hope. <laughs> so, the next thing it came back once, then it came back a second time, and when it got straight up above me, okay, mm -hmm. uh -huh. it went. It started to go straight up into the sky, and when it did that, it started to create a, a like a cloud, like a like a cloud in the sky, and when it started to go up into the cloud, you're seeing this this orange glow. That was like a dot. And then you start to see a halo around it because it was in the clouds. And the halo starts to get smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller as it's going up. 
until it becomes a single dot again and then it disappears. Okay, so what you saw was the the video or the the uh, the image of the wormhole that I saw the first night. Okay, so let me. I don't know. I got a Mac now. I don't fuck it. How do I turn? How do I turn this off? There we go. There we go. I'm gonna turn that off there. Okay. This is. You didn't tell me you was gonna put Aaron Rodgers on the show after he came out of the dark. Look. When you zoom into it, that's what you saw. Okay, okay. it wasn't part of the script, man. <laughs> Look, I, I, I have a video. I have a video. I'll, I'll just get right to the video. You fuckers. <laughs> Where is it at? My video's gone. <laughs> I have Look at that thing. Are you telling me you don't think that's an actual fucking alien? Oh, I guess oh, I my stomach hurt. <laughs> Big deal. <laughs> I airdropped it. Hold on. I got it. Hold on. Okay, here's the Oh, I'm man. crying. Stop, man. Stop, man. You guys. <laughs> oh, my stomach. All right, here we go. Oh, here we go. Oh. JTK right. says aliens took your video. <laughs> Hold on. Here we go. Here we go. All right. This is me watching the. Vi this is this is the thing in the sky. What you're hearing, you're hearing, you're hearing the river next to us camping. <laughs> Just listen to oh. me. Listen to me. Okay. Okay. So now you're starting to see it's it's building this cloud that I can't you can't see on the screen. Take me to your master. <laughs> but watch. It, so now it starts to go straight up. Look, it's disappearing. Listen to me. <laughs> it's a lightning fly. <laughs> Oh <laughs> <laughs> it fucking disappeared, guys. <laughs> J2K says you're taking a photo of my Oh, man. Oh, man. Where's all the aluminum foil and shit at, man? <laughs> this is it. <laughs> That motherfucker eating the, in the basement eating beans and MREs. Cliff wonders if it's a drone with lights, or he also wonders if you were popping acid at night. I was not popping acid. I've got, yeah. I, I'm gonna be honest, I have an ounce of mushrooms sitting in my oh. freezer waiting for me when I get home, but I did not take them that night. Oh my God. That's fucking Here we go. This is it. Look at this, guys. Yeah. I zoomed into it. If you look at it, you can see like a, there's almost like a, I can't, if, if I could it's just a, zoom into this image, you would see spot, in the center man. of that, there would be like a, there's like a, right in the center of this, if you can see my mouse, there's literally a cube in the center of this. If you, if you look at the image that I have that's zoomed up onto my screen, 
-hmm. There is a cube on here. Aldo, do you remember? Nomad, you guys both have to remember when the uh, the, the the fighter pilot came out and he was he was talking about how uh, they were they they like the the top fighter pilot for the military said that they were seeing UFOs right and they they were showing that TikTok video that Tic Tac video. If you watched, he was on a podcast with Joe Rogan. He talked about how uh, when when all the fighter pilots were going out that night off the off the west coast out of California, they were they were telling them to look out for these these orbs in the sky, because a couple of fighter pilots had run almost run into them when they were flying on missions with no missiles or any any ammunition. They were just out on uh, you know missions. And, and one of them almost hit one of these things. So they were telling them to look out for these. And this is one of the, and, and what they were saying in this was that they were seeing a cube object inside of this sphere that was just like hovering, you know, 20,000 feet above the atmosphere. And the, the some of the planes were almost hitting them. So um, I, I, Okay. 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 Let me you support you. Crazy. I just showed you a video that I I just showed you. I didn't make that shit up. Are we okay, both. Okay. Talk? Let me support oh, you. Right. Let me support you. How 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 do you guys feel about are we alone in the universe? Not before you answer that. Before you answer that, how close do you think we are to contact? If we are, if we are not alone, I think yeah. we're very close. Okay, Aldo. Um, I don't think uh, I don't think we're close at all. I think uh, anyone that believes in this shit is a fucking nut. No, I'm just kidding. That <laughs> <laughs> guy, come on. That could be, you know, uh, light uh, from a uh, some kind of terrestrial object reflecting all over the atmosphere of the geological instrumentation of the velocity of the one <laughs> man that's my that's my nut in the hotel room on a bed so <laughs> a little orange huh <laughs> that's a super shit that's a super shit hey, I, would hey. agree, I would agree with you it, it did not come back uh, to, it, it came there two nights in a row it was on Friday night at 9.45, then Saturday night, Saturday night at 9.55, and then at 10.05. It came back three times. We fought three times. That's weird, man. Come on. You think I'm crazy? Oh, well, I, 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 will, I will say this. I will say this. And, and we've, been, we've been having a good laugh at Shorty, and we, we're not laughing at you. It's just the situation. You got to have some humor when it comes to these uh, situations. But what I do believe is we are at the precipice of something different than we have all been accustomed to believing. And un unfortunately, it's going to be a traumatic event if that is the case, that we have a life beyond our universe. It's going to be a traumatic event for people who can't come to grips with that. You got I agree. idiots out here who will be out there on the front lines like, let's shoot them. We got all the guns in the world. Fucking idiot. You fucking idiot. Let's just say we were visited by something from outside of this universe. How would you react? Would be the best question we can ask each other. How would you react? I, I think 
depends. Take me to your leader kind of thing. Nomad, did you see Mars Attacks asked to that cliff? I did, man. That that fucking movie was uh, um for people who believe these kind of things, it was a prelude to what they thought the future was. That was just what people thought of it. You know, but I'm can not I, in, in that community. Can I add to this? After we both saw this, we went home to Illinois and we are driving around northern Illinois, like like Woodstock area where there's farmland everywhere. And Kitty and I were driving from my aunt's to my mother's house. And we looked up in the sky. We were just dry. I was driving. Okay, this is just normal shit. I'm driving. She looks up in the sky and she goes, oh, look, because we had just seen that like uh, six months earlier. She goes, oh, look, that could be a UFO. There was a plane. What we thought was a plane. She goes, oh, look, that could easily be a UFO. And I, I looked up. I was like, based on what we've seen, yes, it could be. So we were both just cut. We're driving in all like open farmland, just nothing around. And so I'm looking up and I go, yeah, based on what we've seen, that could easily be a, a UFO kidding around. And then I start watching it as it's like it's going in, across a, this direction. And this plane goes into this plane. You know those wispy clouds that you see? They're not big uh, uh, canumbulous or whatever you want to call them, clouds, cucumbus clouds or whatever. Just the wispy ones, you know? <laughs> Very wispy. <laughs> You this fucking plane. Just <laughs> whatever the fuck you call them. They're, they're <laughs> called clitoris clouds. There's <laughs> <laughs> a very wispy cloud in the sky. And we're watching this plane. Here's the cloud. The plane's just going. And we're like. Ah, da, 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 da. And then from our perspective, it goes. Da, 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 da. But it never comes out the other side. It just goes into a wispy cloud, okay, a plane. We, She goes, that could easily be a UFO because we both think it's a plane. I go, yeah, sure the hell it could be. <laughs> then we're watching it. It goes into a very light wispy cloud where you would easily be able to see it come out the other side, but it doesn't. It doesn't. And, and, I, and we both went. That's fucked up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Maybe there's there's got to be an explanation. Not less than five minutes later, an actual plane, which is gray compared to because what we saw was like a like a chrome glowing object. A, an actual plane comes along and it, it's gray and you can see a plane because it's kind of you don't see a plane like it's on on a plane like that. You always kind of see the wings. It was it wasn't out of the cucumbers clouds, was it? No. <laughs> It was a, it was a, it was a, it was a chrome cylindrical object, very much like my best friend said that he saw on the plane, looking out the window, flying across the sky, went into a very wispy cloud, never came out the other side. Two minutes later, uh, an actual plane comes along, which is not like, you don't see a plane like this in the sky. You see it like, like this, you see the wings and it's gray. It's dark and it's gray. And the and the plane goes through the same fucking cloud and comes out the other side. And we were like, 
Hey, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Hold on. Before before you go on, your your little brother was there with you, and and he he has something to say to you. Okay, your little brother. Fucking crazy. <laughs> That's your little brother. So I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> he, he thinks your little brother thinks you're fucking crazy. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know who to believe. Man. <laughs> you guys can make me the whipping boy all you want. I appreciate I, it. I bet That's you. I bet you. Network. Make I me the whipping boy. But I, I know what you. I fucking saw, guys. I bet you when coronavirus popped <laughs> off, I bet you was getting all the goddamn aluminum foil, all the cans of <laughs> oh, beans, all that no, shit. I, wasn't. I, didn't, I didn't get vaccinated. I didn't, I didn't. <laughs> Just stop, man. Just stop, man. I'm looking at the screen, and this is no bad. And the fucking thing is going like this, and it's going like that. <laughs> He's like one of these UFO nuts, you know. He's into it, man. I fucking saw this thing. Man, I believe every word that you said, Mr. Shorty, but I think there might be a scientific explanation for what you're was telling behind me. That. You're telling me that there is a fucking scientific explanation for this. I would I I would love to know what you guys really honestly think. You guys think that this thing flying across the sky at the at the pace of a helicopter with no sound at all uh, three times in two nights very slowly creeping across the sky, the sky with no sound and then the third time it comes around it just it, it it create it literally created a cloud above me and then went up into the cloud and then disappeared and the cloud dissipated and it was gone you think that i'm crazy like what is that that you're looking at there what's your explanation for so, you, so you're for telling a glowing me orange object that crosses your path in the sky like like 3000 feet in the air you can't give a guy a laser light and a high-powered microscope project. You really think that that's a laser light? Man, but listen, I'm not. I'm not against the thought of we might not be alone. I'm not against that thought. But most of the stuff that we, most of the most of the the anomalies that we see could be explained. I'm not saying all of them. I don't believe all of them can be explained. But you see the cube in the center of that. Look at it. Look. There's a cube. There's a cube right here. Do you see that? I've seen spots on my bathroom floor that look like that. There's a cube <laughs> right there, guys. The own our own military said that they saw these orbs with cube-like things in the center. Can you guys not do you do you see that outline of a cube that I made? Can't you see that? Oh, okay. Okay. Look at that. okay. I'll do it again. Look. Okay. Look now. Look. Look at it now. I'll make the cube. Ready? Here's the cube. Here's the cube. Do you see it? That's a pixel. It's a fucking cube. Look at that. It's a pixel. Hey, here's the truth. Hey, here's the truth. We have shot down. We shot down four to five objects in the last four to five days. Here are the facts. Exactly. So why are you arguing with me? Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. One. One. We have absolute proof to what it was. It was a balloon sent from China. They shot it down, got the debris, and we know what that is. 
Right. The rest of those three to four shoot downs over Lake Huron, over Alaska, over Canada, we don't know what that is. And we know for a fact that they're being secretive about it. Or we'd have known right away what those things were. Could it be the same thing? Yes, it could be. Could it be something different that we need to know more information about? Here's where I part with the uh, American government. I know they could be secretive. And I know that what you just got through going through ain't, you're not alone with that. A lot of people feel like you feel. But if you let that, if you let that carry on and let that way of thinking filter into everything you see in the sky, you, you, you're going to get led down a rabbit hole you'll never get out of because people just do shit. There are private entities in this country that have technology, people with too much fucking money that fucking play games. I'll just keep drawing the square until you can see it. Okay. I'm just saying, <laughs> you know, people with a lot of money can fucking I'll do start shit. Here. Let's go that way. Let me start at the bottom of the square. Here we go. And I'll All make right, the square man. this way. Fucking square in there, guys. There's a smaller square. Look at that one. Right there. There's a bigger square. Right there. <laughs> Crazy bastards. <laughs> I love you guys. You believe it. No, I I saw it with my own eyes. Of course I believe it. So did my wife. We both witnessed it like Okay, we, we listen, we tried to make every single possible explanation out of it. We did. Can't come up with one. It wasn't hey. a it wasn't a weather balloon. It was it wasn't a drone. It wasn't uh it was it was this it was the size of a helicopter glowing like an ember and it 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 created a cloud that went above us and went straight up and the cloud disappeared after it was gone. I mean, I, what else can I say? <laughs> Barum needs a, a fucking alien episode, an alien show. <laughs> what the fuck are we doing here, man? What the fuck, man? <laughs> what? Why would a ship be a square? <laughs> what are we doing? You know what's fucking hilarious? <laughs> I presented this thing to my entire family. And they haven't had you, God, they they haven't had you commit it yet? <laughs> yeah, Lord. I, there's two people sitting here going, listen, we both saw the same thing. My wife's going, I, 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 I saw the same thing. I'm going, oh, so did I. And my family's going, you guys are fucking idiots. <laughs> hey, hey, Shorty, what would be your first move if you woke up the next day and, and visitors from another galaxy landed and they made contact? What would be your first move? Uh, first move. I'd be, Honestly, I'd be like, no bullshit. I'd be like, it's so good to see you again. <laughs> <laughs> really, man? <laughs> He'd be saying, "Take this shit out of my ass, man!" Yeah, <laughs> finally, finally, my family is here to rescue me. <laughs> they, they probed him with no Vaseline. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, it is time to close this show, and I would like everybody who is listening to this, either live or on demand, please. Uh, Call a doctor for Mr. Shorty. Recommend uh, <laughs> the appropriate psychological therapist. 
to help him through this very difficult period. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone knows a good psychologist, please, please help me with this. That motherfucker's supposed to be in a padded room, man. <laughs> finally, finally, you figured it out, Nomad. <laughs> Thanks for your help, my friend. Uh, all right, tomorrow on the uh, on the network, we've got a live bar down a hockey talk show at two p.m. Uh, the guys will be talking about the Super Bowl game as well, so make sure you tune into them. And then uh, in the uh, evening, I don't think we have anything going on. So, but you can get your fill of football information if you go to patreon.com forward slash barroom draft. You got scouting reports there from Danny Shimon and from my man, Greg Gabriel. Let's go around the horn here for final thoughts. Mr. Shorty, we'll start with you, brother. Man, I just want to say, uh, fuck you guys, and it's been a great show. I love you guys. I love everyone here in chat. <laughs> Listen, without everyone here, including everyone in chat, all you guys are so awesome. We see you guys everywhere that we go in chat. We love talking to you guys. We love talking to you guys here. We love that you're here with us. Aldo, Nomad, Dan, Tooch, I mean, this this is literally the highlight of my life uh bears country podcast has been basically shut down because of the joy of this programming that we're doing with you uh, that i'm doing with you and i just uh i appreciate all you guys everyone love you guys please stay safe until we see you next week love you too mr shorty no matter what you got for me i just want to say thank you to you guys you all though for sure Shorty, Dan Aguirre, Tooch, who's not here with us, for being patient with me, understanding my situation and still allowing me to be a part of this show. I just want to be, I, my gratitude is big for that because you don't have to put up with that, but you guys choose to, and I'm thankful as shit for that. I, I promise you that I'm thankful as hell. But let me fill in a couple of blanks here. We happen to be in a, in a particular time where we just lost 43,000 and something counting in a 7.8 magnitude earthquake in Turkey. That's a lot. That's a foot fucking professional football stadium mm -hmm. full of people and county. Big time, 7.8. Yeah. Chemical leak in Ohio, who, which has affected more than just the community in that small town in Ohio. I can't think of the name of it right now is something Palestine or Palestine, but 10% of the population, which is 10% of 300, approximately 360 million people is a lot. The Ohio River travels a long ways and a lot of people will be affected by that contamination. Some people say it's the worst, can, worst environmental disaster in American history and it's growing. Also, the thing with the uh, unidentified flying objects, you know, all the jokes aside, you know, we, we don't really know what's going on there. We wish we knew we need more information. We have to de demand that of our government. With that being said, we're living in a time where we need to stop thinking about ourselves singularly in, in a singular way. We need to start looking at each other as neighbors. Our roots are connected the connection that we can share with each other. We need to. And I'm not just saying that to say that. 
we got to get past our divisions and start thinking of the world as it is and not what we want it to be. We are connected. We are, we are neighbors. We are, we are everything for each other and to each other. And we need to start thinking about life that way or else we are doomed. If we don't get that shit together and stop finding reasons and ways to be divided from each other, we are fucked in this world. And so when we when we get that together, we're going somewhere. But in the meantime, we're going to suffer until we get to that point. And I want to say I love you guys. Peace and love to everybody in the chat and everybody supports the show. Hit the like, hit the subscribe, bring people to the show. We'll bring more and more every time you see us on the air. So I just want to say thank you. If you I may add to we're all we're all we're all combined like uh, the root system of an aspen tree or a, a bald cypress tree where their roots go for miles and miles. In fact, uh, one of the, 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 the biggest um, con- like things about New Orleans and how Katrina hit it so hard was because of the logging that took away from the land of the bald cypress, which, which took away from the root system that actually uh, embedded the land and helped the land with that uh, with their high water levels and stuff. So we are all connected in that way, and we all have to treat each, each other in that manner. Where our, our roots are all connected. So that's a perfect way to say that, Nomad. Indeed. Thank you very much for sharing that, Nomad. And uh, thank you also to J2K, who has just given us a great endorsement for our Patreon program. He writes, it's awesome, everyone. Check it out. Great contact for cheap and only for a few months. Love to see you guys there. That's right, because there is interaction after you watch the video. There's comments uh, that allows us butterflies to interact. And and a lot more material will be added in the next few days. So uh, with that, I am going to pull the plug on this edition of Bear Their Souls for the ailing Johnny Santucci. We love you, Johnny. Hope you get well real quick. We'll see you back here next week. For the outstanding nomad who always brings us back to reality after we've had some laughs and so forth. For the incredible Mr. Shorty who always has an outstanding t- story about E.T., marijuana, uh, sex, <laughs> you name it. And for the uh, Dan Aguirre, our, our football savant who started started the show, uh, pissed off at me for <laughs> thinking I was ganging up on him. For all of them, I am Aldo Gandia, and I hope to see you here next week at this time. Oh, by the way, this guy wants to get one last message in before uh, we go away, and uh, it is, of course, Mr. Shorty's younger brother. (laughs) (laughs) Go fuck yourselves! (laughs) You're fucking crazy! You're fucking crazy! No, fuck you, you're crazy. No way, you're crazy if you think that. You're crazy if you think that. You're crazy. Center Top 10 nominee.